This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is up, guys? It is episode 597 of the Working Class Bowhunter podcast. And boy, oh boy, has it been a not even a full week yet, really. Uh, last week's cold front was incredible. Um, if you're on the socials, you saw some of the success we had, and man, everybody was tipping them over. I'm not going to say we didn't talk about it on some episodes, uh, but we did. Um, and so, man, we just have a ton. We're going to be a, like a week delayed in a lot of the stories and all that because uh, we're just getting caught up with it. Uh, we're recording those episodes this week. Um, man, it was Maybe one of the best hunting weekends I can remember. That late October cold front, and here we are just into the first part of November. Sweet, sweet November, as the jury boys would say. So here we are. It's our favorite time of year, and I hope you're excited. If you're at work, I feel for you. Hopefully this episode helps you get through your day, be staying on the deer cast or whatever you need to justify when to use and when not to use your vacation time. I feel for you guys. Um, it's a grind for us. I feel like everything we're doing right now is like behind and I'm late and I'm, you know, we're going, we're going, going, going. It's late at night. I'm at the studio by myself and full camel right now and I got to get home to the family. So that being said, you guys want to get to some rut tactics. Damien joined this episode. Uh, we talked the rut stuff. We talk about his elk hunt and we get into some fun uh, side random like BS type stuff in this episode. Uh, a lot of fun. Damien's a great dude. Always enjoy chatting with him. Uh, enjoy it even more when he can actually make it to the studio, but uh, that, that'll be coming down the line. Um, I'm going to, because it's this first week of November, we need to get moving. I'm going to just kind of get through our partners this week. I try not to do this all the time. I like to, I, you know, I'm by myself. I like to bullshit with the boys through them, but it's hunting season. We're all going, going, going. By the way, did you see it? Doug's going to be a little nervous for losing that bet, um, aka a tattoo on his ass. Uh, we'll get into that here next week. We got a lot of lot of buck stories next week. A lot of tactic stuff coming. Uh, the podcast is presented by Elite Archery. 
Uh, the podcast is also brought to you by all of our other amazing partners, and literally all of these partners, we're using something actively from them on every hunt or after the hunt or before the hunt, depending where it falls. Uh, big time. Absolutely love big time. Uh, proud to be a part of all these the family. Huntworth, uh, man, coming in clutch. I had some heavyweight stuff on from Huntworth and snug as a bug in a rug up there. I was in a trophy line saddle all day today. Um, Old Barn Taxidermy, Loophole Optics, Trophy Line, Grizzly, Blackgate Trail Cams, Camel Fire, Novix Tree Stands, Dialed Archery, Victory Archery, Slick Trick Broadheads, Black Ovis, and Mountain Ops. I've been uh, fueling up Mountain Ops pretty heavily. Um, by the way, you can use code WCB at Mountain Ops. There's a link in the episode description. That do- and when you use that code, five meals get donated to our 100,000 meal goal to conquer hunger. Um, if we can hit that goal, I got some things I'm working on behind the, behind the scenes to get you guys involved and to have some fun with it. So just keep that in mind. If you got to get anything from Mountain Ops, use our code. You save 20% and you'll donate five meals to our 100,000 meal goal. Um, trying to think what, what other news. Uh, I think this week there should be some. I don't know if I'm premature in saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say we got sticker sheets coming. Eric's not here to bounce it off of, so he's just going to have to get it going. We got uh, custom WCB sticker sheets, um, uh, stickers that aren't available just on their own. And then we have WCB edition coffee dropping this week. That's a collab with us and Hunter's Blend Coffee. If you've ever had Hunter's Blend, you know how damn damn good it is. It's the best coffee in the game. Um, so we have a WCB edition uh, Hunter's Blend coffee on workingclassbowhunter.com. If it's not live yet, it will be here within hopefully hours of me going, hey, by the way, I dropped the, the coffee announcement. Hunter's Blend coffee, workingclassbowhunter.com, WCB edition coffee. Um, it's awesome. You'll like it, I promise. If you're not into Ignite, maybe coffee's more your speed. Um, that's all the announcements I have without any of the boys being here. I'm going to get to the episode. This was a ton of fun. We hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you want to hear more of as we get throughout the season. As we go through November, obviously, deer stories, and then even when we get into the late season, what do you guys want to hear from us, whitetail content related? Let us know. Enjoy the episode. Good luck out there. Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the working class bow hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. Episode five hundred and 
97 of the Working Class <laughs> Bow Hunter podcast. Kurt Geyer speaking. Eric Hammond. Our buddy Damien is calling in from somewhere in Ohio. What's up, dude? Somewhere. How's it going, fellas? Good. How are you? It's going good. Oh, good. Pumped. Ready to uh, get after the deer here. Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, I know you've probably been after it a little bit, but you're a busy guy with your day job. Yeah. Um, and the, honestly, the the new farm that I've been hunting the last couple of years, uh, the deer don't summer there and they kind of start moving in, you know, the last week of October, that week of Halloween kind of. So I don't, uh, in years past, I focused a lot into the October month of October. Um, now October's pretty dull for me for the most part. And, uh, I'm looking towards, you know, the end of October, into November, even into late season. Since I've had that farm, late season's usually pretty hot there. That's a good problem to have on a farm. You know, you want them in there at right. those, it, that time it, of year. Yeah, for the longevity. It's mentally, it, it's hard for me because the, the lease that I had the last 12 years, like the deer summered there, they, they had basically bred there, and then they wintered there, and I was hunting the same deer year round that I would get pictures of all summer. And, uh, this farm is, has been a, a little bit of a challenge for me because it's mentally, I, I can't get in the game and focus in on the specific deer that I want to hunt, you know, early. And, you know, because he, you know, he's there in the winter, I know he survived, but he doesn't show back up till end of October, end of November. And then once yeah. they show up, they're there, but it's, it's, um, it's definitely been a little bit different for, for me and little bit of a learning curve i guess it's also got to be exciting though too because you yeah. never know what deer is going to show up you know yeah yeah well what's yeah. different damien like between the two leases like why do you think one held the deer there for the majority and why does one where the deer show up later like what's what's the difference in your um eyes? you know I, i've thought about that a lot and, and since i've had this one and i think a lot of it has to do with the terrain features um that my old lease was all uh old strip ground and I don't know if you're familiar, obviously not being from Ohio, but a lot of our southeastern Ohio stuff is reclaimed strip mine ground. I grew up uh, hunting that stuff, actually. Okay. I was just telling Jordan at dinner that I grew up hunting a property like that. So it's um like short spoils know, and stuff? Yeah, yeah, short spoils, high walls, just really rugged, tough ground, great f- funnels, transition areas, uh, that sort of stuff. And um, and then it was surrounded like it it was surrounded by ag and uh, a big farm on most sides of it so um the deer i had the timber and the the ag was there so and then all the farmers that hunted on the fringes of their property they pushed the deer onto me and i i stayed kind of low-key and and low pressure and um it really paid off but um that was part of it this is the the new lease is just big timber um, the closest ag, uh, for the last 10 years is a mile away. Whoa. Um, and I think that's where most of the deer are summering, honestly. Mm. Um, this year, actually, I'm really excited. Uh, the farmer that is, has cut hay for the last 10 years on it, put it in corn and I bought the back three acres of corn off of him. So I'm going to leave oh, it. Nice. So, nice. Um, excited about that. Yeah, that's exciting. That's a, that's a cool. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, that's probably the most obvious reasons what the difference is between the two pieces, but it sucks sure. having to make that adjustment though. Like it you does. put you put in the hard work to like learn a piece 
and then you kind of get comfortable and then you get like on a pattern like crop rotation year to year you kind of like start putting together like well this mature buck did this this mature buck might do something similar and then if next thing corner you know, beans and all that shit yeah or just i know this this ravine to the funnel you know you could map like map up your terrain and kind of put together some patterns then you just get full-blown suplexed and gotta yeah. switch everything up and it was totally that because it was you know i had that that farm for for 12 years and I was hoping to buy it when they were going to sell it, but it just so happened it was the year I paid my business off and like it, it came out of the middle of nowhere. They were like, no, we're going to sell the farm. And like that was August. And by late August, it was already sold and I had to get all my stuff off and scramble. And so it was, it was quite the, uh, Oh shit. You know, especially in August, uh, man, that's running late. So, yeah, that's a heartbreak. Um, was, it was a heartbreaker, um, and that I love that farm. And every time I drive by it, because you can see it from the, uh, still makes me want to cry a little bit. <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet. That's always tough, dude. Like, I think everybody listening's probably been through mm-hmm. like a tragic property change or just yeah. like change. You don't love, if you don't own it, you're gonna lose it. You're gonna but, lose it. Yeah, you're gonna. Just and it's it's, it's always got to be that one too that you drive by every day. Yeah, it's like God yeah, that, that stings a little bit. Well, <laughs> yeah. here's what I think we should do. I want to get into um, obviously the first week of November talk. That's where we're at. November second, sweet sweet November is here, as the juries would say. Uh, what I I think w- what we should do because last week we had Gary Blessing uh, Diesel, the deer tracking dog. We had him on. We talked all about dog tracking deer with dogs, and it got into the conversation a little bit with the drone conversation and all that. So I need to have. The drone guys back in, and then I want to do uh, have them both on on a podcast and all that, whatever. So yeah. the reason why Gary was out, I had hit a deer, when, and basically wanted Diesel's help finding the deer. Mm-hmm. So I want I want to update everybody on that story because I already knew where it was going. Ever you know, I was going to dead in Illinois. You can shoot two bucks, so I have two either sex tags. And you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you're going to punch your tag." Well, it's like, well, not if I don't know he's dead. I'm going to put the effort in to kill the deer. So right. um, a guy, a mile and a quarter-ish, I don't know exactly, a mile to a mile and a half, we'll, we'll go vague there, uh, just up from me, shot my buck four days later, and he's, I got the whole story, got to talk to him, congratulated him, really nice guy. Oh, I didn't even know this. Dude, Jordan, it was in our group chat. How'd you miss all this? I don't know. All right. Well, huh. fuck I me then. It. Well, Damon, oh, tell us. Tell us. Pulled a dug and fell asleep. Damon, do you know? Do you know this story? I not the not the after. Obviously, I know the the dog story because we were texting there a little bit. But okay, um, it depends on what group it was in because we have so many groups and I can't keep up with them all. And I told it in yeah. Team WCB and the OGs. Okay, well, I missed it twice. So, uh, <laughs> so maybe you caught bits and pieces of this, Damon. I did. I did catch bits and pieces of the dog update and everything, but I, I guess I missed the the portion of somebody else shotting. Yeah, so let me, I'll just catch everybody up to speed. So what happened was there's this buck that I called him Fat Boy. He's uh not not like a giant eight pointer, but a good eight pointer, good mature buck, fat body on him, double throat patch, beautiful buck, wider eight pointer, and uh, I was getting pictures of him consistent on my own farm, and I'm like, well, that'd be a great buck. He's mature. He's not a giant, but he's good. Double throat patch, beautiful buck. And uh, I was sitting, it would have been two weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. roughly, by the time this launches. 
um, I'm sitting there and I'm just like seeing deer pour out of my farm. And I'm like, well, if he's going to get up, every other deer is up. Like I can't, all the deer I see, and I saw 12 deer and I don't own a big farm. Right. I'm like, it's gotta be all the deer on the farm. Like <laughs> he's, if he's in here, I'll see him. Well, sure as shit. I can see, um, you know, up in front of me, a hundred, 120 yards. I can see, um, a mock scrape that I made. And I look over and I see a body of a deer at the mock scrape, put my binos up and he's in there hitting the mock scrape. I'm like, oh, awesome. It's like, I think he's going to come this way. I got a big time plot and stuff in there. And he skirts the plot and comes in and uh, he's he's going to be at 30 yards. Every deer walks that trail at 30 yards. But I also have another trail that comes like 18, 15 to 18 yards right underneath me. So I'm like, okay, we got my 33 yards. I got my dial set to 33 yards. I'm getting ready to draw. I'm like, all right, he's stepping in. I draw. Instead of walking straight on the path he was on, he turns head on to me and comes all the way in. So I let down. And when I let down, I let I was like, it's happening. And I have this all in like the tactic game. So I let down kind of aggressive because it's like, oh, shit, he's right here. Let down, adjust, and let's redraw. And I think when I let down, I just, I kind of pushed too hard. And I, my arrow, this is my only thing. My arrow must have just came unknocked like halfway. Right. And then when he came in, when I redrew, he was like 15 to 18 yards. And then when I drew my bow, maybe, maybe my, maybe my arrow hit my bino harness. Maybe, I don't know, but I drew kind of tight to me because he was close. So I didn't want to pull like a high draw situation. And when I drew the second time, when he's broadside right underneath me, my arrow comes completely unknocked at full draw. And it hits my binos and it's like, my arrow's like, kink, 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 bouncing up <laughs> everything. And I'm like, fuck. He's going to run. So I let down, re-knock. At this point, there's a tree, and now he's quartering away, which is still a great shot. Right. So I draw, and in my adrenaline clusterfuck of a mindset going on, I, didn't, I did not slow the game down. I thought I was putting it behind his last rib, and I hit him high. So it turns out I hit like that spot kind of like in the back strap. Not the, Two inches left, I hit the spine. Two inches right, I'm in the cavity, just high. You know, probably like liver, lung, and offside. And uh, I hit like where all the ribs come together at the top. Not quite the spine, but not quite down under the ribs. And I just didn't get enough penetration. And it was steep. I was in a 20-foot Novix ladder on top of like this knoll. So I guess from where he was standing to where I was shooting, I was like 28 feet. And he was at 20 yards. Hmm. And I just, I don't know, shit situation. Yep. Um, but luckily, he was... Killed not long after, ethically and fair and square. And I talked to the guy, congratulated him, and uh, he was a really awesome got guy. Closure. I got yeah, closure. Yeah, person hitting a deer and never knowing what happened to it, or yeah, you know, the the fact you were you got closure on it. That's that's pretty awesome. Well, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, man, I'm sorry, that sucks. I'm like, yeah, it it, su- it doesn't, yeah, but it doesn't though, really. Like it, it's like I feel like the guy called me. He's like, do you want it? I'm like, no, you shot it. <laughs> you, you, it. you killed it. You know, and I appreciate him asking that. You know, he was, he was being nice and he goes, I'd love to. It's a great buck. I'm like, yeah, dude, you fair and square, brother. It's just part of the game. So that is nice. Like, did the guy hear that you shot it once already or something? We had a mutual connection in between the two. Gotcha. And uh, so, yeah, I got the whole story. He's a really good guy. I'm happy for him, man. Um, yeah, it doesn't, uh, it, it upsets me that I wounded an animal for four days. That really upsets me. Um, but like I said, I got closure. So I wanted to go back and update that. So no one was wondering from the previous podcast when we talked about it. So 
Sure. And I Todd, think that was the same day that uh, I had that one where, where I kind of kicked myself in the junk because I had uh, I messaged in that group in in the group there because I had had a buck uh, two years ago. He was a, a regular. Last year he showed up one day, October twentieth, and daylighted on on a food plot. Never got a picture of him the rest of the day, rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a friend of a friend sent a friend of mine uh, a photo of of this buck <laughs> and i'm like oh he's still alive type thing but he was about a three quarters of a mile away and uh i was like i told my buddy i was like you know what i'm gonna hunt every evening the 17th to the 23rd and see if he historical data comes back and and pays up you know yeah and uh then on the 15th, my cousin from West Virginia calls me and he's like, dude, I got bears everywhere down here. You got to come down and try to shoot a bear. And I'm like, ah, what the hell? Okay. So <laughs> Why the not? 17th, I drive down there and I'm sitting in my tree and I check my camera and sure as shit, that buck walks in hitting a scrape at six o'clock in the evening. On the so, 20th? <sighs> on the 17th. Oh, 17th. So he was a couple days earlier than, than the previous year, but still that, that historical data, you know, that a lot of people, uh, overlook and don't pay attention to you know could have paid off and he's a great buck uh um i i was excited to see him i got him two two other nights after that so it wasn't just a one-hit wonder i'm hoping he'll stick around because i'll set my sights he's a six and a half year old deer to my to my knowledge of him the first year i hunted there i think he was four and then last year he's five this would put him at six um just a, a tank of a body and a big deer so Hopefully, but yeah, I could be done in, uh, in the month, late October there, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So we're recording this a little in advance <laughs> because of the cold front, and all the shit coming. So, but as far as you guys know, listening, it's November the 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> so Damien could be bucked out already. We don't know, <laughs> but all right, let's, let's do, all right. That's a great segue from my fucking sad story with some kind of a, like a perk of happiness of an ending. Um, by the way, Todd does have an update on his. We had just a somber episode at the beginning of last week's show. Todd uh, has a positive, uplifting uh, update on his buck that he hit. So it just happens that like we're both we both suck. He hit one, I hit one, and then he's like, "You didn't have to do that to make me feel better." <laughs> and uh, so steal his thunder, yeah, yeah. steal his thunder. So <laughs> he has video evidence of his buck, and he looks fine, perfect, um, really good, actually, like. You got to look twice to see if he actually hit it or not. So, and, and honestly, like it's it's amazing. Like I don't know if their testosterone levels must have being sky high has something to do with it. I'm sure, but I mean, it's the the how fast they heal is unbelievable. You, you know, you get a paper cut, and it takes you a week for that little paper cut to heal. And I shot, and this was in December. I shoulder shot this buck in uh, 2015. Um, and hit him square in the shoulder. I ended up killing him three weeks later, and you couldn't even tell. You could, you could, the the wound was totally healed over. There was no scab or anything there. It was just hide, and you could see where the hair was cut. And then when you skinned him out, his shoulder was still bruised internally. But it's like in three weeks, it healed a giant two inch gash in his shoulder. Yeah, it's just amazing how fast they heal. It's it's, it's got to be something like that. You know, it has to be that just. I mean, think how how often do they take tines to the ribs or to the forehead or the eye or the nostril or the ass when they get ran off by another buck. Like, yeah. I rem- I remember growing up, 
guys I looked up to would shoot bucks, and then he'd be hanging on the buck pole or whatever. We had an old actual cell tower, a little miniature like satellite tower outside this building. We'd hang all our deer on that. But I remember showing me, he's like, look at this. This thing took a G2 to the fucking ham, and it's just a hole like that in his ass. It's nuts. Can you imagine... Well, it's like that one no. video floating around too, where that it looks like that deer ducked underneath a barbed wire fence or something. His whole back straps cut open. Oh, that uh, mm. zombie deer or whatever. They yeah, call like it. how the hell yeah. is that thing still walking that around? Shoulder blade and back strap exposed. <sighs> right, it's crazy, man. Like what what they can do. I mean, any human goes through that. We're done. We're toast. Yeah. Oh, toast. I'd be laying wherever it happened. I'd be laying there crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe two little drag marks, but not that much further than that. <laughs> But, um, all right, so let's talk about that. I figured, you know, sorry for the somber update, um, but we got to cover that. We're as transparent as we possibly can be on the show. So hate us or love us for it. Fuck yeah, I don't know. I don't have to tell you. But it just is what <laughs> it, it is. It is what it is. And that's a, you know, whatever. So historical data, I think right now is a time to be focusing on historical data. And But some people might say a deer doesn't do the same thing twice. I disagree. Break it down, brother. Historical yeah. data. I mean, the, the whole story I just, you know, explained that that was all based off of his, historical data that, you know, he, he daylighted one time. He's not a resident deer, whatever in his, you know, ke- body chemistry, the atmosphere, the weather, whatever the case may be, made him show up last year, one day, October 20th, never again. So what, other reason would that you know give him to do that other than every whatever time of year it is that's when he starts doing a roundabout and checking out what's going on in his surrounding areas Mm -hmm. and you know had i done what i said i was going to do and hunted the 17th to the 23rd gave him a six-day window there that to do what he did the year before you know he'd be done right but uh i didn't stick to my word and wandered off in greener pastures (laughs) i think it is something though that's very overlooked you know because i don't pay attention to that kind of stuff mark dury preaches it he's preaching on our show a lot and and i've been trying to pay more attention to it like it's always just the next season comes around you kind of forget about it and you're like oh yeah he did daylight last year and then you're like okay when when it and it was probably mark that that said something and you know years ago that kind of got me to start watching it and I feel it, it's pretty accurate. I mean, d- do I think if they daylighted on the 20th at 6 p.m., I'm going to be sitting there at, at 6 p.m. on the 20th expecting him to show up? Not necessarily, but you know there's probably a window there within a couple days that that the same things could repeat itself. A six-day buffer is up, very fair. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. And, and, and like if, if you have that ability to do that, it, you know, I'm fortunate enough to where I can hunt almost nearly every week evening that I want to. So the game plan was to do just that. And, you know, it could have, could have got my deer, but, uh, I've had other situations of deer in the past that, you know, have, have weren't resident deer that showed up that, uh, would, uh, repeat themselves year after year. And, you know, sometimes they show up and they, make themselves a, a resident and live the rest of the year there. Sometimes it's, it's hit or miss and they just sh- show up a, a time or two in the same window week window or whatever, mm-hmm. but it it's definitely, there's something to it 
that when bucks get on their feet, there's there, they do it habitually. It seems like year after year. Mm -hmm. So don't you wish you could just read their minds? It'd be cheating. <laughs> but yes, yes, I do. Uh, I, I wish I had wings and could just fly around and watch them too. I just, right. dude, I, that's what I love about whitetail so much is like, they live with us. They live among us for the most part. I mean, there's areas, obviously they're going to hide, but when you shoot a deer and you're holding them, I just wish then I could know like his daily regimen. If there's a pattern at all, or not. Do you wish you could just sit down at this yeah. table and have a beer with them? I wish they had a hard drive that you could plug it into the computer <laughs> and you could see like daily on average. Like the movies where you, where they stick their hands on their somebody's head and like read their mind. Yes. Right. Wish you could like plug into their thoughts and that, just see. That's what I want. I want to know. It, it's I want to cool know what's you, going on. <laughs> well, it's cool when you finally kill the buck you're after, or kill a buck. Like, okay, here's something I think about when you look at a rack. It might seem, you know, like these bucks in here. From a distance, you're seeing antler, tine, the color it is. But when you grab that rack and you look at it, and there's scratches and scuffs and all sorts of shit all yeah. over it. What it, what is it all from? Where did he go? What you know, all that stuff? I well, want to know it all. Look at my first buck. Like he's got a broken brow and a broken G two. Like I would love to see that video through his eyes of what happened that day. Rattled his yeah, ass because you know. You can take a hammer and smack them tines and they don't break. Hell no. Yeah. What the hell is he doing to snap them off? Like, I don't dude, know. They're, just, they're amazing. That's and what's cool about it. But so, honestly, you'd do that and like you'd find out we give them way too much credit. You'd tune into them and, <laughs> you know, get their thoughts and it'd be like peanut butter, jelly tines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nonsense. Well, so, you know, okay, squirrel. That's another great <laughs> conversation I want to go into. All right. Let's go. I want to get to that first, but real quick, I want to finish my point about historical data. So I have a deer that had already showed up at this point this year and coming into this first week of November, I just had started to get him consistent and I don't have, I know he's alive and I know where he's living because I have a camera there, but I can't actively, I don't, I can hunt there, but it's hard to explain. Um, it's an area that I can't spend much time in and I know he's alive. I know this deer is living. So it's kind of like this interesting experiment to where I can normally hunt and I'm being vague, right? Because I have to be right. Um, yeah. Where I can normally hunt, he showed up there for. I mean, I was hunting him, and I left to go kill the buck on my farm. I got fortunate and killed him, but um, this week is when he showed up consistently. And I'm curious because I know he's alive, and I know where he's spending. I what I believe is the majority of his time on a different block of timber. He's got some obstacles to get to. I'm wondering if he's going to show up like he did last year. Be interesting to see. Be very interesting. And if he does it, I know where to go. You'll kill him. But and, and it's complicated. So is that are you going to just wait on your cameras to tell you he showed up? Or are you going to go play the odds and sit in that time frame that he showed up? Yes. Both. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I all of the above. I am going to the nice thing is there's another deer that's huntable in there. Um, and what I've noticed is this deer and the other deer that I'm talking about, don't they, they have like this, Greg Ritz talked about this and I kind of, this is when I realized this, I never have pictures of one deer cross there's what's that uh, a Venn diagram. So yeah. it's like roughly a Venn diagram 
and the deer never go to the center of the other person's other other deer circle, but they'll kind of intermingle here in one spot. But I the, never the, they'll, have, fl- they'll flirt with going in the center. But I never even all year I will not have pictures of one deer inside the other one's center of their circle and vice versa. You're on the fringe of both of them. I'm on the fringe of both. They have a mutual agreement not to cross the lines, huh? <laughs> Maybe that's how G2s get broken. <laughs> Maybe. Right? Yeah, right? Bitch, I told you, stay out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, don't you step over that line. That's where I'm at with historical data. Now, crop shift yeah, rotation. That's where, that, that's where it starts getting tricky is, you know, you start rotating crops and changing food sources and, you know, uh, a chunk of timber gets timbered or something that's you know that's where everything starts to kind of get thrown into the mix that turns it into a guessing game but i think um all things being the same that horse historical data is uh very important well i'll I'll update everybody and let you know if what i see or don't see um but that being said what were what was the next one thing i was going to go to i wanted to finish that we were talking, we were talking um, about what deer think and stuff. What deer think. But Damien made a point, and I wanted to get into it. Oh, we give them too much credit sometimes. Mm. I think... So, <laughs> I wanna, I, I'm curious, Damon, what you think. Like, I think it's cool to kind of, like, build them up into this um, big thought, like, critical thinking, mystical beasts, and they're so methodical, and we have to be methodical... I love that from a podcaster's passionate hunter standpoint because it gives us shit to talk about yeah. and it's fun. But is it that? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. I don't think so. Yeah, I think they're just kind of like I mean, you I, just I, suck I, the soul out of me. There. Their their goal is to stay alive. Their goal is to breed and eat. And you know, to to breed and eat, they got to stay alive. And to they're not. If you don't push the game and do stupid things to let them know that you're pressuring them and hunting them, um, I don't think it's they're overly smart. You know, I, I feel like people give them a lot of credit, but I think that a lot of the credit that they're given is because people are doing stupid thing and educating them. You know, they're not paying attention to their entry exit. They're not paying attention to their where they're walking or when they're walking or, you know, they're not paying attention to blowing out a bedding area on the downwind side of their, you know, going in there out of their stand or whatever the case may be. And then they educate them or, you know, um, I, I think here in Ohio, especially uh, with the baiting thing, I think people, the biggest mistake people do in Ohio is they sit 20 yards over top of a corn pile and just think that's, that's all they got to do to shoot a deer. And it's not that easy. All it does is educate the deer because then, you know, you got 20 does coming in there before the buck will come in there. And then, you know, if the wind swirls, you educate all them that you're being hunted and then the buck doesn't show up. And then every night you got 20 deer, 20 yards in front of you, and you got to get down out of your tree and walk and blow them all out and you're <laughs> pushing them out. And you do that a couple times and you're educating the deer. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, the deer are really smart. Know that you just blowing your whole area out, you know? So, um, right. um, and you see it time and time again here in Ohio, especially when you get permission to shed hunt places, you see how people hunt and it's literally a, a corn pile or a feeder and 15 or 20 yards is a ladder stand. 
and they hunt that religiously, you know, and it just, um, I think it's not that hard. And once you come up with a formula of how to, to get on big deer and you put the time and effort in to, to locate the deer and to pattern the deer to actually go in and, and kill the deer is, is not that difficult. Um, the other big factor I feel, um, in killing them is all the external, um, conflicts, I guess, whether it's your neighbors or whatever, you know, cause I don't, I don't hunt big tracks, you know, I hunt 10 acres, 20 acres, 60 acres. The biggest track I hunt right now is 60 acres. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might think that you're going in there and keeping your 60 acres, you know, stress-free and not in there. And the next, the first time you go in to hunt it, you think it's just crisp, pristine, untouched ground. And you find out the neighbor's been riding horses every day and walking their dog and, you know, <laughs> running, cutting firewood right on the property line. And, and, you know, all that stuff. And if it's a 60-degree day in, in Ohio on a weekend, you can guarantee they're going to be out dirt bike riding, cutting firewood, out hiking, whatever the case may be. And all of those factors have kept more deer alive than than anything for me. Uh, you know, all those external things yeah. that you have no control over. Yep. Yeah, it's um, a great way to lay all that out. It's, um, I think what makes them seem smarter to even like, okay, obviously I agree with everything you said, like uh, no arguments or debates there at all. Um, but I think a lot of it too, guys will put more credit on like, okay, so I got a pinch point that I like to hunt and I know there's deer that go through it and they're not going through it every day. But if I sit there for two days and don't get an opportunity, I'm like, son of a bitch, they're smart. Even if my wind is perfect <laughs> because, yeah. and, and it's not that. I did anything wrong or it's just, they didn't go through it. Like I hope they would through a terrain feature. Right. Yeah. And I think, I don't know what your opinion is. Like if you have a, just a straight up pinch point, I think you can, if you can get to that pinch point in and out, you can kind of be a little sloppier with your entry exit than if it was like down in the timber and a draw and you got to walk past bedding and all this stuff, this pinch, I just cut right to it. And it's, you know, it, so it's either they go through it and I see them or they don't. And I, and I don't see them. That's, that's a, the way a lot of terrain features that are pinch points and funnels. That's the way they work. You, you're not going to see a lot of deer, but the deer you see are going to be killable. Yes. Whereas, you know, you're sitting on a field, you might see 30 deer. How many of those 30 are actually killable? You know, that's so right. about three. It, it's, uh, it, or if it, that yeah. it's entertaining to sit in those places where you're going to see a lot of deer but the kill probability, a lot of shit has to happen for that deer to walk across the 50 acre field to come into that 30 or 40 yard circle that you can shoot him, you know? So, yeah. um, th it is difficult. I think sitting in those type, those type of terrain features mentally, especially if you're doing all day sits and you sit all morning and you don't see any deer and then you got, okay, well, Hey, you would feel like I've been here nine hours and you look at your clock and it's, uh, 9 a.m. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get to uh, 7 p.m. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like that that's a, it is, a, I like hunting those things, but it is very difficult. But when you, I don't know, when, like I said, when you, when you're sitting there and you hear footsteps, you know that deer's coming within shooting distance. There's yeah. just something 
you know, that's, that turns you on about that, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it applies probably to this time frame that we're in, you know, we're just going to call it the week between episodes like November 2nd through the 9th, I think is a good time unless you have a, a predictable pattern or what you think is a predictable pattern. I think that's the best spot to sit sometimes in that November 2nd through the 9th time frame is when you think bucks are going to be up checking does and they're going to be cutting through terrain features and they could be doing it at 11 a.m. and you sat there all day and didn't see shit close until yeah. 11 a.m. when that buck decided where he's got to get from point A to point B and that pinch is in the middle of that and that's when he cuts I, through. I 100% agree. Shortcut. Like the, 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 a big kind of uh, uh, belief or, or however I uh, you want to call it uh, that I hunt and in the first week of November is I'll hunt those transition funnel areas in the mornings and I'll hunt them all the way up and whether you're calling it all day sits or whatever, but I'll hunt those until three o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock in the afternoon. And then in the evenings, I'll transition to a food source, you know, where the does are going to be. But so in, in that, those morning hours into the early afternoon hours, you're hoping that he comes through those transition areas, going from bedding area to bedding area, looking for the a receptive doe. And then in the evenings, your does are all heading to a food source. So you go and hunt the food sources. Hopefully the bucks come out looking for him in the food sources. So that's kind of, I don't ever... I can't tell you the, you know, when it, the last time I've just sat daylight to dark in one particular tree stand, like mm-hmm. that, that's, it's that's not fun. Miserable, miserable it's not thing fun. to do. You know, even yeah. if you get down and walk 200 yards to a different stand, it just like recharges your soul, your mentally, <laughs> you're back in the game. You're, you got something, uh, 10 different squirrels to look at than the other 10 that you watched all morning. Yeah. You know, a couple different trees. Yeah. There might be a black leaves. squirrel in this group. You can <laughs> yeah, right. talk to yeah. him. <laughs> Here is all right. Um, so I go from like that's a good example. Like I have my pinch point and I get down and then I go to like I did this last year. I sat that pinch point as long as I could just fucking take it. Then I got down, grabbed a rain of the truck, grabbed a uh, you know a granola bar or whatever, shake my head a little bit. Then I walked into a spot midday. I only sat it for maybe three hours during the middle of the day in the timber. Um, just you know see if bucks are just going to be cruising around in there. And then I actually moved again. I hunted all day. I just kind of like break up the monotony a little bit. Now I'm moving three or, you know, three sets in a day, maybe aggressive, but it kept me fresh. It kept me out there. Oh yeah, for sure. So, and I guess, you know, in the time frame that we're in on this episode, that might be all it takes. When you're saying going to September, where, what type of, uh, sit, where are you sitting in the timber? Like on the downwind side of a bedding area or where, where are so, you? I, this particular area, it's actually not far from where I would consider that pinch to be. Um, it's kind of like all flows, and there's a creek that runs through, and there's a bluff there. And if it's a south wind, I get on the very end of that bluff, and that way the wind's blowing to me over the bluff down to the creek, and there's a trail right there on the edge of that ridge. It's a timber ridge. I got to get down into the timber. But once I'm there, all those bucks will run that ridge okay. and check does, and my wind blows over the creek. Perfect. So it's kind of like a, it's not a ledge the whole way, but where my tree is, it is. It's kind of like a cut. It's hard to explain. Um, So that's where I have a stand there. Um, I actually killed a good buck there in 2018. Um, Doing that, I just sat there all afternoon and he ended up coming back. He came up the ridge, yeah, checking does. And um, so I did that. I like, I don't sit in the timber often, to be honest, but 
it's nice to get in there because I don't know. You just feel like one can pop out of anywhere. Right. It yeah. just kept me fresh. And that's like a perfect example with my spots at home. It's all field edges, you know, and what Damien just said, you know, it's cool to see deer come out of the field, but if they're not killable, you ain't killing them. Yeah, that's right. For example, I put a I put a food plot co- closer to me this year, so they have to walk by me now to get to the food plot, which before they would all come out on the other other end of the field and they weren't killable. So they're easy easily manipulated too, where you can just have, put a. Have you e- noticed a difference so far? Huge difference. Really, really. Because where I put the food plot is in an old cattle pasture, and you no, you that you, was my uh, that was my access point. Did was you plant Kurt's blend or your Austin's blend? <laughs> Doug's blend. <laughs> okay, so bringing that up with Big Time, Austin sold the most blends, which Austin just because the the Lord's blend, the Last Supper, like yeah, of course he's gonna win. That's just too good. Name. I didn't even try, and I got second place. Just saying. And who you beat, Doug? Or did no, Doug, Doug beat, beat me? Oh, okay. So you guys were like pretty close, though. Yeah, like one or two off. See, that's sad on Doug. Really, it doesn't matter who won. But Doug didn't win, so that's what really matters. <laughs> yep, that's what matters. So, well, he's winning in life, though, right? I guess yeah. he. You know, you notice he's not here, Damien. Yeah. What did you fall asleep? No, no. Doug's got himself a oh. girlfriend. We're oh, losing him, man. We're slowly losing him. We might have to bring Steve back. Oh man. <laughs> now Jordan no will be in here. Yeah. We'll get the intern in here, the young boy. Before we, then we get gotta find can it. Grow a mustache. Can you grow a mustache? He said, if you call it that. <laughs> You're like me, then. I look like a 14-year-old Mexican boy. That's all right. Hey, we need some diversity. You could go as Mexican, Jordan, if someone didn't really know you. You look like you're a little Hispanic. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Checking yeah. boxes. HR boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's HR what we got. Boxes. We got tackling tacos. We got Hispanic. Got a black dude. Got a tattooed white guy. We got HR boxes are checked. We're good. <laughs> okay, We're, good. We're checking out. But... I don't timber is something I don't hunt a lot. Going back, say hard transition. Do you hunt timber a lot, Damien? Or what? What do you? When um, do you hunt timber? If you do the new farm, yes, uh, mostly because it's it's timber. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, and it's a difficult piece of property. I, you know, this is my third, fourth year hunting it, um, and I got a good feel for it. But it, it's 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 only sixty acres and. 12 of it is, is agriculture. Um, but it hunts like two different 20 piece sections, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't hunt like a, a 60 acre chunk. It's, it's kind of, the farm feels like almost two separate pieces. You hunt the front and the back, you know? So, um, and obviously I've done food plotting and some, uh, bedding, you know, improvements and, and stuff like that. So, um, I try, um, the, the neighboring property is very, um, lightly hunted, mostly just to my knowledge, they gun hunt it, um, the first couple days. And that's, that's it. I've never seen the gate open any other time. I've never heard anybody back there. So it, it's pretty good neighbors to have best case scenario great great neighbor to have so and it, and it's a pretty good chunk it's like 185 acres or 190 acres something like that um so it's a it's a pretty good chunk to, to have in behind you and the thickest nastiest portion of that property um is butts up against me mm. so i try to pull 
those deer off of that bedding into the property that I hunt with, with food and, you know, I run feeders and things as well, but, um, I'm not, a I, I don't really like hunting over feed. It just, it's, it's low. It's just not productive. You know, I mean, have I killed them over it? Yes, but it, uh, it's not, I don't like doing it. Um, and then once the bucks start running and cruising there, you know, most of the time, if they're, they're just doing drive-bys, they're not coming into feed. They're not interested in feed. Yeah. You, know, right. you might catch them, you know, 50 to 60 yards downwind of it, just cruising through scent checkings, those sort of things. And I've, I've done that. You, you hunt transition areas where, you know, you, you might feed it a few different places on a, on a piece. And, uh, you try to catch those, those bucks doing just that kind of cruising, looking for does going from food source to food source from bedding area to bedding area. And you just, you know, hunt them just like you would, um, in a, a transition area, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The feed thing is, uh, I think people think it's like the magic ticket, like the golden ticket to just killing deer. When, it, when they, when you don't, um, when you're not around it and you're from a state that doesn't allow it, it seems like it would be just such a give me, but Ohio is, I've said it before. Ohio has quickly become the, the 20 acre hunting camp. You know, all those big farms, the, the farmers are dying out. The family inherits the farm. They auctioned it off into, you know, 10, 20 acre parcels or whatever the case. And then every 20 acre parcel has, two guys hunting it and two guys, you know, both guys are running feeders at opposite ends of that 20 acres. So, I mean, you go, it's just, there's, there's bait everywhere. So the only thing that like, if you don't do it to any extent, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Oh, really? You know, yeah, you have to, 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 to a certain extent, because if all the neighbors are doing it, everybody around you is doing it. So if, if you're just not, you're, if you're trying to improve your property and you're you're doing bedding improvement, habitat improvement, you're planting food plots, you know, uh, you might as well throw supplemental feeding in there as well. And I do it more as a, I, I call it supplemental feeding because you do it year round. It's not like you're just doing it during season. But if you're not doing it and everybody else is doing it, you're, they're giving them the deer something that you're not. And that's a chance that they're going to pull those deer away from you onto point. them. And, you know, so... I think you you almost have to do it in states that that uh, allow it. Allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, would I <clears throat> cry if they outlawed it? No. Will they ever outlaw it? No, because you know the vast. Ma- I, I it's. I think the vast majority of people in Ohio do it. They've lost a lot of woodsmanship. You know, when I was a kid, and nobody nobody baited and. Nobody I just was really into the uh, crossbow thing. You know, as long as I've been alive, I, we've had crossbows here. But then it, it just with the, the crossbows and the baiting and it just it, they've made it way too easy. And the uh, woodsmanship has just gone to shit. People don't know what an oak, oak trees look like. They don't know the different types of oak trees. They don't know that the oaks typically grow on your south side of the hills and the west side of the hills. And they don't know things like that. They don't know preferred food sources and you, you, they don't understand a lot of stuff because their goal is they go out, dump a bag of corn, sit over top of it. They're going to kill the big That's right. Yeah. right? Um, so, but I, I think it's a necessary evil at this point until they outlaw it and they'll never outlaw it because I, you know, it, um, 
too many people depend on it and they want the state wants deer to die and that's the way a lot of deer dies so, so yeah, you've, been, yeah. you've been hunting a while damien like has baiting always been legal since you've been hunting yes um it's always been legal but it never it really didn't take off till even when i got out of the military in in 2000 not a lot of people were doing it really um and then it just seemed to explode in like <clears throat> probably the last uh, 12 years or so it's just exploded to where it, it just All right, everyone's, everyone's doing it let me let me ask you another question because you know big deer man you've killed big deer and big elk out of state of ohio would <laughs> i I'm, I'm gonna ask this question i think knowing the answer and and not that you're the guy with the answer but you have a strong i know you have an opinion on this i'd imagine would Ohio have the quality of deer it has if it wasn't for its ability to supplemental feed? Yes. Okay. I think I personally think that we would have bigger deer um, because one thing that, you know, the, the average deer killed in Ohio is still two and a half year old deer. Mm -hmm. you know, Everywhere. But, I think in the Midwest is right. Yeah. So those and, and, <clears throat> You know, you see it every year. You get these phenomenal deer, young deer, year and a half old deer that are just genetically gifted, you know, year and a half old with a mainframe 10, you know, and you're like, oh, that deer's going to be a giant. He doesn't make it. A mini giant. First, some guy sitting over a corn pile, year and a half old buck walks in with 10 points. He gets smoked. Yeah. You know, they're dumb. They're, they're not educated enough to, to be wary. They do stupid things still. And they're genetically gifted. And those people want to tell people they shot ten, a 10 point and they get smoked, you know? So um, I think that if there was no baiting, that the deer would be even better. Mm. Um, now that the, I guess the, the question would be if there was no baiting, I think there would be fewer people hunting and then your deer herd would increase and the herd stress may would obviously increase your breeding stress would increase. So, um, would that, you know, then you're, you're playing devil's advocate, trying to figure out which one's worse, you know, and yeah, yeah. got right. too many deer. It can stunt a buck's growth if you, you know, so it, it's all, I don't know, but I, I do think if, uh, if they did away with baiting that are, we would be pulling some absolute giant deer out of the state, you know, because, um, well, at the same time, you know, you, you would have giant deer, but a lot of those deer still get killed by people that are feeding because there are ways and methods to, to kill them over feed that, you know, are, you know, pretty much foolproof and, and, uh, you keep it low pressure and, you know, my, my, one buddy, I don't want to throw his name out there. I mean, he kills first week of October every year on a 150 to 190, you know, and he's perfected killing them over, over feed. You but know? Yeah, and, but there's a, like, he's not just dumping it out and go, he's probably hunting it with an entry and exit strategy. Yes. 100%. Yeah, he's yeah. Got, like I said, he's perfected the, the, the system. And when he finds a deer, he, now he is absolutely like, obsessive compulsive and when my phone rings and he hasn't located a deer yet i i absolutely hate picking it up because it's like <laughs> he's in a depression mode and you got to talk him <laughs> off the ledge but the moment he finds a deer that he wants to kill like 
you can pretty much, I'm telling you right now that like the, the deer's going to die. Like, yeah. He does, yeah. That deer doesn't know it. As soon as he hits my buddy's radar, the deer's dead. Like it, it's, it's a sure thing. That's he, cool. He uh, does have it perfected. Well, that's, yeah. that's cool to hear because it's like, yeah, but there's an effort to it, you know, and yes. pe- people want to act <laughs> like there's not an effort to it. Right. And, and I don't know. I don't know if, you, if someone was like, Kurt, are you for or against baiting? I'd be like, I don't give a fuck really because it doesn't apply to me. But what's interesting with the, the three of us, Iowa can do supplemental feeding out of season. Yep. And I don't, I'm sure there's a dynamic to what it is. Illinois said none of it. We, I can't do shit except for plant food plots. You know, I can't run mineral sites. I can't run bait sites. Can't, nothing at all. And you guys can do it year round, right? Correct. Yep. It's just year yep. free range. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I do love it. The one thing, if they, if they did away with it, I would really miss the, the inventory aspect. Because the, the intel. The, it, the intel that you get um, is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you go in and you get a new piece of property and I kind of use a, a shotgun method, if, if we want to go into that route, you know, I'll, I'll go into a new piece of property and, uh, you know, if I got 10 cameras and it's 60 acres, I'm going to feed at 10 different sites on that piece of property. Mm. And I'm going to put a camera on all of it. And I'm going to see what's showing up on what camera. And then once, if there's a shooter there, I'm going to narrow down, okay, that buck has showed up on these three cameras. The rest of those three cameras get yanked. And, those, and then I'm focusing in on those three, or I might move cameras over into those areas. And then you kind of narrow down where that deer's coming from, how he's coming in there, where his favorite area is, possibly where he's bedding, you know, and, and those sort of things. That aspect of it is, is huge on the intel portion of it. Um, but to just absolutely just sit over a pot, bag of corn and, and shoot deer, like I, I'm not, I don't really care a whole lot for that. It's kind of Bubba Redneck a little bit sounding. <laughs> I mean, of. whatever, do what you want to do, but if you- it's legal. I don't care. And I, right. but, the the thing that I do hate is um, everybody wants to portray, and and part of it's the social media thing where you get the the non residents and stuff that that aren't people from Illinois that can't bait and they're like oh baiting deer you know and so th- then there's these people that want to portray that you know they're they're a great white hunter and that they don't bait deer and they bait deer but they want to you know tell everybody that they didn't kill it over bait see that, that sucks even worse do. don't do that yeah it's, <laughs> like, i there's there's guys that i know like yeah i, I shouldn't even get into story. it let's go yeah. come on so two years ago when we were filming that i filmed this guy uh i tagged out early so i filmed for the rest filmed for him the rest of the year every night now he had a food plot planted but every single night when we got done, we would go back to his cabin. We'd get, drive into the food plot, and he would take corn in a broadcaster and fertilize the field. Oh, right? nice. Yeah. Corn, <laughs> yes. Right? Supplemental and then, feeding. And then you'd hunt it the next evening. Corn so topper. he did that over and over. Then he ended up killing the buck he was after. And then we went to my food plot and pulled turnips out of my food plot to put into his food plot for B-roll for the video to make it show him like there's turnips in it. And it just, I'm like, why are we doing all like, What are we doing? Just, 
like that's a real Hollywood is. production is what that's called, it's Damien. Just, <laughs> that's honestly that's the whole reason I got out of the filming is just that sort of stuff. All and the smoke it, and mirrors. Yeah, yeah, you just you know what's going on, and like it just it didn't sit well with me. And um, Damien, so, are you telling me that when it sometimes when it seems too good to be true that it probably is? Are you kind of alluding to that? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Basically, what I'm saying is yes. <laughs> so are I'm you not sure telling... what you're saying, but that's what's going on. Okay, uh, I, I want to get into some hot takes here in a minute because we got some elk stuff to talk about. Yeah, but here's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to. I had a lot of shit just popped in my brain. That I want to bring up to Damien because I want you just you don't care. You're just going to tell us. I love it. Yeah, I so don't give a shit about it's great, dude. It's great. So okay. Right now, it's the 2nd of November. If someone is not putting together everything we've talked about up to this point, I'm going to just break it down. And even if it's a little redundant, I want to do this for the listener who half paying attention, running well at work or driving a truck and eating Taco Bell at the same time or whatever. He's taking his rotation for a week from now until next Thursday. What should that guy focus on if he's in the Midwest? Or in your in your experience in Ohio or whatever, which it could apply everywhere. For the for the next week or so, I would I would go right back to where I was talking about earlier. And if you're gonna if you're doing your rutcation and you want to do those all day sits, I would be sitting in funnels, transition areas, travel corridors uh, for the first several hours of the day, maybe till one or two o'clock, and then I would go to those food sources, hunt them, hunt the food sources in the evenings, hoping the the bucks come out looking for the does in the evenings. That would be my go-to. And with the weather, I mean, I can't remember the last time, the first week of November, we've had forecasted temperatures, you know, as, as cool as they're forecasting. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, the deer should be moving. Uh, it seems like the last 10 years or more, every first week of November, it's 75 degrees in the middle right. of the day. Yep. So, yep. It's been opposite almost. Cold fronts October and warm fronts in november so even last year october was super cool and then that first week of november first 10 days of november was super warm it's like 80 degrees it uh that aspect of it i think the deer are really going to be traveling in the mornings they'll be traveling late into the mornings because it's going to stay cool into the day and uh i I think that's going to be the 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 kind of go-to method damien cast right there there it is i i i will uh i'll second that it's, that's exactly what I'm planning on doing. <laughs> straight up. Copycat. Hey, you said it first. I, it was my job was easy. I just had to agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get into some hot takes then. Uh, one would be the TV production thing. You have experience with that. Um, okay. All right. Here's here's one one thing I want to ask you, and this is going to be controversial because I have an opinion on it, and maybe you know or don't know information but the lee Lakoski thing that just went down with the tag on his buck and all this did you see this oh yeah so apparently he ended up getting ticketed yeah um what are your thoughts on that situation and with like the uh the i don't what, what do i want to call it basically the uproar on social media well people are haters people are haters one. um do i think he probably forgot to tag it yeah do I think it was intentional? No. Do I think that he tagged it and did everything once he realized it? Yes. Have, have I personally forgot to tag a deer 
in the woods before I moved it? Yes. Has we all have. We've all done it. Blasting him. Yes, they probably have. Yep. But the fact is, Lee is in the spotlight. He's put on a different level. He's under a microscope. You and I probably could have posted that photo of the buck there with no tag on the antler. And nobody had ever even noticed because nobody cares. Mm -hmm. But because he's Lee Lukoski, he has everybody after him, hating him for working hard and busting his ass and getting where he's at in life. And uh, all the must be nice people that want to choke him. Um, You know, he's got to be held to a different standard. Did they ticket him? I don't know. I hadn't heard that. Apparently they they did. Apparently they they did. did ticket him. I mean, he's he's just got to take it and be like, "Hey, I screwed up," you know. That's, yeah, out. that's the biggest thing. Pay the everybody ticket. screws up. You, Everyone, you get, especially when the in the filming stuff, because there is a lot of shit that goes on when you kill a deer. You're doing all the B roll. You're trying to do all the recreation stuff. You're you're doing all this stuff to create a production, and then you don't need it when you're trying to do B roll. You you can't have a tag on it yet if you're walking up on it, and you know you got to do all that stuff. And and you know they do they do anything i'm not saying they do but if you go to a kill site and it's a bloody filthy mess and you don't want to show that portray that on the show and you drag him 15 feet out of the blood pool which is positive for hunting by the way yeah i mean so all that stuff comes into play so am i hating on the guy no like do i respect the guy i mean he came from he was one of us and he busted his ass and now he's on top so now everybody hates him yeah you know the 100 so i guess it is what it is um He's just got to, t- I think he's just got to take it on the, the knuckles and, uh, you know, say, Hey, I screwed up and move on with it. Say, and I guarantee that's what he's doing. It's like, all right, I'll pay my ticket, whatever. Whoever wants to be mad can be mad. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that's kind of my thought, man. It's like, look, I know we had the tag. I know he's legal. He killed the deer on his own property. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about him not tagging it. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. And here's, here's where I guess like my thought on it is we got dudes like that's simple shit. Okay, you can get ticketed if it's hot out during firearm season. You didn't wear your st- your orange stocking cap on the way to the stand. If you yeah. get caught, you're getting a ticket. Yeah, yeah. My buddy got cited in PA years ago. It was after dark. We were coming out of the woods. We were walking down the road with headlamps on, and the the game warden steps off the side of the road and turns his light on and cited my buddy for not having an orange hat on in the dark because it says you were to wear an orange hat. And he had a headlight on. And he had a headlamp on, and it was after dark, after hunting hours. <laughs> and we were walking back to the truck, still sighted him. He said, hey, it's what the rules say. You didn't have it on. See, you now. Know, so <sighs> you, you get into situations like that. and then, But you see guys that do the wrong things time after time, and you can get into the like the spook span stuff. And, you know, he's done all the crazy stuff and been in trouble, you know. But then you got all these people supporting him. You know, haters are going to hate you. People that love you are going to love you. you That's just, right. right. Just do do you, you know? It, and it's funny, like, um, so I shared that when I shared the post on Facebook when Lee was like, of uh, like misconception, whatever, everyone's calling us out on, you know, the tag bullshit. And I shared it. I added no caption to it. And we had people in there. Well, if you're going to call out Chris Brackett, you got to call out this. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally different. And, and we've, totally ta- different. we've talked about this in the past, like. In Illinois, you have to have a habitat stamp when you buy all your shit. But do they include it with your purchase on it? They ask you, yes or no, do you want this? Well, if yeah. I fucking need it, <laughs> add it to yeah. my fucking shit. Because right. yeah. if I'm like in a daze and I forget to buy it or 
I assume they did it. Like I'm always leaned over the counter, like add the habitat stamp of five dollars. Hunters going out there and buying the habitat stamp by itself. No, the only reason you need <sighs> the habitat stamp is if you're hunting and buying yeah. a hunting license. So why don't they just incorporate that into your hunting co- hunting license cost? Throw it exactly. on and charge me right? double. Right? It's five dollars and fifty cents. But if Mr. Whoever, we'll just say Lee Likoski lived in Illinois and shot a buck. It didn't have a $5.50 habitat stamp. Uh, he poached a buck. Yeah. Lee Likoski yeah. poaches buck. Well, when you break it down, it was a $5.50 habitat stamp that he may or may not know he needed to have, or they could have just tacked it on. Charge me fucking $20 for it. I'll pay it. <laughs> right. I'm stuck in a hunt. Yeah. It's like right. that. That So. There's a line there, right? Like wrongdoing and knowing of the wrongdoing, i.e., yeah. Chris Shooting Brackett, a buck and then poaching a second Booner buck, and you know, <laughs> trying to tell your camera guy to hide Chris it. Buck and or uh, what's uh, what's the uh, old dude's name off of Wild Game Innovation? Buzzbuzz shot the Buzz shot the spike bull or the small bull, and then shot a bigger bull. Or yeah, you, know, yeah. you get you get that is blatant poaching. Straight up, you know what I mean. Yeah, that, that stuff they should be hammered for. They should be never be in the industry again, which the old man isn't, as far as I know. But yeah, you know, you got bracket out there, and, and people still love the guy and think he's the for whatever reason, you know. And it, um, I don't know. Like what? I said, you're you're gonna have people that hate you. You're gonna have people that love you. You just got to do you, and that's uh, right. You know, do the do your best to do the right thing, and that's you know, right. You can just do in, big believer in karma. You you. You do the right thing, good things happen to you, and for sure, everyone screws up. Yeah, I just, I just really think like what bothered me about it is like exactly what you said. You know, you have Lee. You know, he had the tag. He got excited to kill a giant deer. He moved it, and he, you know, we threw the tag on it. Like we, he took care of it. <laughs> it's not like he, but it's not like he's like, hey, I'm not going to buy a tag this year and still kill a buck and put on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> maybe I'll get a third buck. Yeah, yeah, I ain't buying yeah, a tag yeah. for that. Yeah, I'll post this one and shoot another one. You know, it's like <laughs> we're, we're what we're doing is I get it. The standard, the industry standard, he's in the spotlight, da da da, under a microscope. But like, we got to pick our battles, man. Like, okay, you 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 can tell me that you don't drive ten miles an hour over the speed limit. That's the same shit. Unlike Bomar's situation, that's actually like a speeding ticket. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and. He's another great example too. Like, do I know the ins and out of that story? No, but that dude's got bigger fans than fucking Lee has. And there's a hot topic for you right there. Is that guy? You like? I, <laughs> I where, where do you even I start? So badly, like, want to respect what that guy is doing because he is just killing giants on his own ground. He's growing them, but god damn, is that guy a douche? Like, just <laughs> shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That guy, I want to so badly like the guy because he does such, but then he talks and it's just like, it's, it's almost like Trump. You just need to shut up. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like <laughs> over the top with that fake energy and like, okay, guys, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. just calm down and like, do your thing. Like, obviously the guy is incredibly knowledgeable and doing the right thing to, to, to kill the deer he's killing and yeah. you know he's killing him on film and it's everything he's an animal dude legal. he's like, an animal but man like just shut your mouth and don't be such a douche so <laughs> i got i got a funny story and i don't know if i've told this on the podcast or not but i talked to josh on the phone several months ago on the phone and um he, he goes another beer 
I'll take one. Yeah, if you'll grab one. He goes, uh, yeah, I know you guys. I know you guys probably hate me. You know, I've like he's he's listened to podcasts, and I think probably people was like, hey, you, know, you got brought up, and I'm like, dude, listen, like I I told him this on the phone. I'm like, it's not that we hate you. You just make it really hard to like you. Yes, hundred percent. That is the great best way to put the guy. And he goes, like, and he laughed, and he goes. I know we kind of got this like looming cloud over our head and that's why we're wanting to do other podcasts. And uh, we tried to get him scheduled on and he's got a farm 20 minutes, maybe not even 20 minutes from our studio and was supposed to come in. And I wanted to have a real interview with them, like a real conversation with them. I mean, he did some other podcasts where in my opinion, you asked me, they sucked his ass a little bit and kind of like yeah. catered and th- that's okay. Um, but I want to have a real like, dudes to dudes conversation of how we talk you know like yeah i don't want any of this like oh ho ho a misunderstanding and it's like laughs and high fives like and we could do that on the podcast i'm sure he's fucking cool but right like i said you you, you think a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You, you uh, We obviously have a lot in common because right. passionate about deer hunting. He lives on deer hunting. He, you know, he, he's an absolute slayer when it comes to shooting shit with recurves and everything. Great shot, you know, but man, like you just, that personality and persona that he turns on for the camera, he can't be like that in normal, like conversation when he's not from the camera. There's some place <laughs> in there. There's just a normal dude that, can sit down and talk with and is probably we would all love the guy i agree and you turn on that fake persona when the the high energy over the top you know craziness and it just it just turns you turns my stomach and like like i said i i so badly i follow the guy like i i i want to see what he's killing i want to you know but Man, like so many times, like you click on a video and you get 10 seconds in it and you're like, oh, I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. Well, dude, you know, it's, yeah, 100% agree with everything you said. You watch this hippo hunt and you're like, that's a bad motherfucker right there. But you know, he almost puts off, remember the rapper 6ix9ine? Yeah. He kind of has like that persona. Like, you know, he's like, we said, we know he's a cool dude, but I think he puts out this like almost trollish type. Uh, energy because yeah. no matter what people are tuning in oh, for and sure, i mean yeah. you see their numbers man i mean like he's got to yeah. be a smart guy he's built two or more i don't know how many businesses he has multi-million right. dollar businesses and owns ground and is very successful Kills you know multiple he, giants a year yeah you know he's not an idiot so that's that's why i think it's like a trollish persona you know, it's like love or hate me. Yes. You're watching what I I'm doing. You're like, hey, this this douchebag persona got me where I'm at, so I'm gonna keep rolling with it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's. I, I it's know. like the Logan I, I Paul guess, type vibe. You know, 
Yeah. And I, I guess maybe the older I get, the less tolerance I have for that. And it, um, I don't know. I, I want to like him. I that. do. Like I so badly, <laughs> I, we had this conversation. I, I'm like, I so badly want to like this guy. And I want to be a fanboy, but man, I just can't. You just can't. You just can't. <laughs> I want to be a fanboy. Yeah, I do too, man. Every time a new too. video comes up to you, like, oh, maybe this is the time I actually yeah. like maybe start following him again. No, no, no. But I think he's killed like six 200 inch deer, man. He's killed seven. What did he say in that one video? Seven or eight over 190, <laughs> uh, six of them over 200. And all of them off his own private property. Like, that's impressive shit. You know what it would be? He's not a dumb dumb. He's, got a little, he's not stupid. He could be the goat, but he kind of, well, John Jones has a little higher uh, standard of flavor. I don't know if you follow fighting or not, but like, John Jones is considered the goat of fighting, except for his Coke tirade. And, and yeah, his, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that'll, like, be, uh, that'll be Bomar. He, he's the goat of, of killing 200s, except for the douchebag personality. Yeah, there's, right. there's like a blemish on the record. You're like, God, I don't know how to rank this, you know? But Josh, quit taking your own pre-workout. And, you know, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I Listen. Some mountain ups. That, right. Yeah, get on some mountain ups. You know, and, and that's going to come off that we're hating, but I really just think we're being honest about how we feel. And I think a lot of people probably agree with our, our take on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, like, I am not hating on the guy. Like, I really, really have tried numerous times to be a fanboy. Yeah. I just cannot get past that personality. And do you think like it's that, like, do you think it's like the younger crowd too? Cause you got to think, like, if, if we I were do. like 16, 17, we seen those videos, we're like, this guy's fucking awesome. Jordan's you know? in here. Jordan, you're 20. You watch him. You like him. He doesn't hate him. What does that mean? Kind of what I. Hard to like. Too much, uh, Flair. Like Rick Flair. Seems like he's forcing it. Like he's yep. forcing it. Yeah, maybe. I'd love to have him in here, man. I don't know if he'll do it after this, but um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll drive there for that in studio. It'd be fun, dude. <laughs> if he's cool, and if he's cool right here at the studio, I'll fanboy over him. I'll be cool to you know, like like we've always said, we'll probably be best friends with him by the night's over if we do have him. Right. Think is he gonna drink beer with us? Probably not. I would guess no. Drink uh, Seamus. Skinny girl, <laughs> he drinks Zima. <laughs> he brings a six pack of Zima, dude. He would drink Zima, dude. That's fucking Skinny hilarious. Girl I see him drinking. Yeah, yeah, sugar free. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's just pouring fucking oh duels or something. Zima <laughs> is fucking hilarious. Dude. <laughs> I, you could see him drinking Zima, right, dude? Zimas are good, man. I'll drink a Zima with him. If he comes he brings in, brings duels in there. Just uh, when you go to get get him one, you dump the the fake shit out and fill the can. Put we it. did that in the army. They uh, <laughs> we were we were at a battalion organizational day, and our commander told us we could drink non alcoholic beer. And we're like, well, that's stupid. So we went and bought a bunch of O'Doul's and then we dumped them out. And we're filling the cans with regular beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's a decoy right there. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. That would be fun. Uh, one of the uh, one of our company commander's wife, she came up to us and she's like, "Hey, can I get one of those special non-alcoholic beers?" <laughs> uh, she knew. <laughs> they knew right away. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, you can. Yes, that, absolutely. That's hilarious. I I think uh, fun fun conversation. So th- this type of conversation, although to some people might seem like we're hating, it produces the most listener interaction. Oh, for sure. Because everybody's got a take on it. It's fun. We don't really mean any harm by it. I mean, kind of. I would. I wish the guy the best. Like I, I honestly, yeah. I do. 
I just if you if you would tone it down, I I would I'd be rocking a Bomar T-shirt. Hard to hate on a hustler, bro, but uh, I just yeah. hope he's doing it all right. Yeah, that's all. Um, Damien, you're an elk killing some bitch. I've been pretty lucky. Let's well, talk be, about this, man, because uh, behind you says it all. Yeah. I, by the way, that your background here is awesome. Really yeah. awesome looking, man. Are those all canvases? Uh, they're uh, actually they're called mixed tiles. Oh. I, it was a Facebook thing, and they're printed on like one inch foam, and then you just stick them to the wall. Oh, yeah, that's that, like every that's every year I add to it, and you know, obviously, some years I've I've killed a bunch of animals, and I can add a whole line or something, and then other years I'll pop one off that's you know maybe not my favorite and put, replace it with a something bigger. Oh, you you <laughs> just don't keep going bigger until the whole I walls am, walls. <laughs> I can do up top and maybe one more on the side, but looks great. Uh, well, we can see yeah. some big elk in the mix tiles in the background. And we've done elk podcasts with you in the past, yep. and so we kind of have some background of where you go, but I mean, if you don't mind giving just some cliff notes of uh, what state you're going and kind of like maybe, wh- maybe why you might have had a certain goal in mind when it came to going this last fall. Yeah, this so fall, I guess. I've, I've elk hunted uh, Montana and New Mexico. New Mexico's my favorite. Um, I've been really fortunate and have drawn, you know, it's a 100% lottery. Um, I drew my first tag in 2012 and killed a, a smaller kind of, uh, raghorn. Um, that was my first bull that got me hooked. Um, and then I didn't draw another tag until 2019, um, went out, shot a nice six point. Then, uh, my buddy shot a six point that year. Um, then my the next year my buddy bought a landowner tag he i guided him on it and he shot a really nice uh 326 point uh, and then the following year um my buddy another buddy uh got drew a tag we went out um and he missed twice at a 350 bull um and then i drew again this year and i drew a really good unit actually i drew in 21 I, I take that back and I shot a really nice six by seven in, uh, 2021. Um, and that unit, uh, there is a 1.4% chance of drawing a tag. So you Jeez. apply for a hundred years, you might draw the tag 1.4 times and, <laughs> and I you drew got it, it 21 and I drew it again this year. <laughs> no so, shit. So it, uh, I, I, in the, like, I literally hit the lottery, um, drawing that you know i i never expected it and you know when it when it happened i kind of flabbergasted so i've let, been let on, alone uh, twice <laughs> yeah um i've been on uh, like nine successful elk hunts uh where i've either guided uh been part of the kill um or have killed so um got a fair amount of elk experience um the unit that i drew um it's low elk density but the trophy oh and the bulls they're uh they're usually pretty solid you know 300 inch plus type bulls um so i went out there this year and uh i did a podcast with clint regarding it and i was gonna hold out for 350 for at least the first few days um you know we we had the guy go with he had more intel on elk and knows every elk that's 
ever walked in the unit in the last 20 years, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, he, he's pretty impressive. And uh, so he had some really whopper elk on uh, on camera. And uh, we got in there first evening. So I was going to hold out for 350 for the first couple of days and then kind of adjust. I'm not one of those guys shoot what you would shoot on the, the first day that you'd shoot on the last. I'm not like I have higher standards. The season's only nine days. The first two to three days, I was looking to go after like a 350 type bull. Mega, yeah. Um, and uh, the first evening, uh, I got full draw on a really good bull. And I don't know what happened. He come around the corner and I was already at full draw and he was in the brush and some something spooked him. Uh, wind was in our favor, but he didn't spook hard. He just ran 30 yards and stopped and then just kind of walked off. Um, and then we got into a bunch of smaller bulls, small six points. Um, is a really difficult area to, area mentally to hunt because most of the time when you're elk hunting, they're, they're easy to spot, pretty easy to hear because you can hear them from a mile away and you're spotting them from 2,000 yards, a mile away, whatever the case may be. Um, but the terrain is usually more difficult to get on them, but you're, it's kind of like the, the whitetail hunting on a field thing. You see a lot, but hard, can't get to it. Hard to get to. Yeah. So this area where we hunted, uh, was the exact opposite. It was incredibly thick. Um, if you heard an elk bugle, it was within 600 yards of you. It was just so thick. Um, and then there was no glassing. Like you're, you're just weaving in and out of the thick stuff and, you know, chasing bugles and you, you try to decipher what a bugle sounds like from a mature bull. And, you know, if you hear a couple bulls bugling in the same area, you can kind of pretty much assume that there's a herd there and one of those bulls is going to be a good bull. And then, you know, you kind of listen to them and you can get into almost, you can't obviously, we were joking and, you know, you get in on elk and one of you going to be like, Ooh, that's a six point, you know, or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. But you, you can kind of tell a, a more mature bull bugle over a younger bull, obviously. And, uh, and then you kind of try to chase those. Sometimes you, you chase the wrong rabbit. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you spend all morning. The one morning I spent all morning on this bull and, uh, he bedded down and then he got up in the middle of the afternoon, started bugling again, started moving. I started stalking in on him. He bedded down again, kept bugling. I moved in on him and he was like a 270 bull. So, you know, you get into situations like that, you just burnt your entire morning chasing a bull you didn't even want to kill. Yeah. But, right. um, so that was, that was tough. Isn't um, it cool how all bulls bugles are a little different too? Yes. And, uh, you can definitely like, some of them just have a, a generic bugle, but then there's ones that are just absolutely, you know, one of a kind. Um, in 2012, we were chasing a bull that we called Rusty Gate. Like literally <laughs> when, when he bugled the first few times we bugled, we thought somebody was opening a Rusty Gate. because <laughs> Yeah, just like a squealing, high pitched squeal. And, and uh this year we had one that I, I called him Rusty Gay Jr. because he kind of had that same when he when he hit the high pitch and came down it kind of sounded like a you know yeah yeah and uh, um, so we got into a bunch of elk anyway and I did get in on a three fifty five bull um, the one morning and we bedded him and 
he was in a, a tough spot because they they always almost always um you hear it about whitetails but it's not true like elk the herd moves into the wind or at least into a, a whiskey wind cutting wind yep. um to some extent always um so wherever they're bedded you can pretty much guarantee the direction they're going to go in the evening is when the wind in their face now what i was saying earlier about the terrain the where we were hunting it was difficult to hear them difficult to see them but once you heard them and knew where they were at it was really easy to get within 60 yards of them that last 60 yards was a real mother effort because <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can tell you how many times I was within a 50 yards of a bull for two to three hours and never laid eyes on him almost every single day, oh, every, damn. almost every single day you're in there and you're, you're just creeping in every time he bugles, he's glunking and you're just moving closer and moving closer. And you know, then you'll have a cow come around the corner and you can't move. You're in lockdown cause she's standing there at 20 yards feeding and she'll turn and wander off, feed off. And then you're back trying to play catch up. And that, that part of it is really, really difficult, um, is that last 60 yards. And then, you know, you don't even know if you're going to shoot him yet. So mm-hmm. that big bull that we were on, um, he was down in this, this Canyon and the wind was blowing over the saddle off a of private at the top of the saddle is blowing down into the Canyon and knew he was going to, at night, he was going to come right up out of that Canyon onto private, but there was next to zero chance you would have to time it perfect when he started moving to kind of head over that uh, saddle and try to head him off. Kind of intercept him. Over into private. Right, right. So my game plan was to drop all the way down to the bottom of the canyon and try to stalk up through the bottom of the canyon as he bugled in the middle of the day in his bed. Every time he bugled, he just cut the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my game plan. But he ended up getting up and uh, headed on to private well before I got anywhere near him. So um, that put the kibosh on that one. God, elk and, hunting so fun and so fucking bow hunting elk. It's like you just make your moves because you can hear them. Yes. So it gives you hope all the time. You always have this hope. Yes. Because if whitetails bugled, you'd always, you'd be out there all the fucking time. You'd never leave the woods, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you and always I, have that, this like lingering area, hope. That area that we were hunting, it, I think, there's really good bulls in there for the simple fact you can't rifle hunt it because the bulls are done bugling by rifle season. Mm. So no rifle hunter is going to be in some thick brush. He can only shoot 25 or 30 <laughs> yeah, yards. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the two overcast mornings that we had, the bulls didn't bugle and you're just wandering around through the timber, sitting on water holes, hoping something comes and because the, they, everything was shut down, you know, and you, yeah. you're in there and they're not bugling. You, it feels like there's nothing in the, in the woods and you're just out there wasting your time. So, um, it, those, obviously those bulls end up getting some upper age class on them when they're in situations like that. So, yeah. um, so the, the bull ended up killing, uh, we were on day seven of nine and, uh, I got, uh, I sleep with earplugs in cause I'm a super light sleeper and my, my phone vibrating on the cot woke me up. We were in a tent and, uh, I pull the earplugs out and it's raining and it's windy out and it's like windy enough that, you know, when you're in a tent and the wind blows and your, your tent like expands and contracts. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh shit, this is going to suck today. Right. So we, uh, I was, 
decided I was almost like, oh, I just want to sleep in. I'm like, you know what? I'm here to hunt. I'm not here to sleep. Like I'm going to, whether it sucks today or not, I'm here to hunt mm-hmm. and, uh, got up, got ready. And from where we were camping, we could ATV ride about eight miles, nine miles. I think it was, um, which doesn't sound like far, but it was literally rock crawling, boulder crawling. And that, that nine, eight or nine miles took an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Ooh. Take the so, ATV. <laughs> yeah. Take it, and it was like, you know, usually after you've walked 10 miles in a day, you get back to the ATV and you're like, oh, thank God. Like every night we get back to the ATV after hiking, you're like, oh, shit. You got an hour <laughs> yeah. drive yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get beat up for the next hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. So we get out there and uh, there was actually uh, four of us. And the two of the guys went a mile on each side of me. And we were all just going to drop down into the timber and listen for bugles because it was so windy that, uh, you know, it was going to be a real, you were going to have to be right on top of them to hear a bugle. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the pines up high where we were we started out, the wind was just kind of whistling through those pines and making that, you know, whistling noise. And then once we got down out of the big pines into the juniper thickets and into the brush, um, that whistling kind of stopped and we finally heard a bull bugle. Um, had it been one of the other clear days, I would have guessed him six or 700 yards. You could just barely make it out. Um, so we started heading that direction. We topped over this little bit of a rise and he bugled again and he was a lot closer. So that little bit of a rise with the wind made him sound like he was a lot further than he was. Um, and a second bull bugled. So, two bulls there figured, okay, there's gotta be a, there's probably a herd bull in the group. Um, so we started moving in and, uh, going down through the, the thick stuff and that way that brush is like three feet high and, and down, you can kind of see through the shit, but if you're standing up, you're lucky to see 10 or 15 yards, mm-hmm. like the, all the under leaves and the brush, there's nothing on it. It's just sticks and thick stuff, but you can see, you know, 40 yards or so. So you're kind of going through that stuff, constantly looking down. And I caught movement up ahead and I, I dropped to my knees and uh, I saw legs and this cow comes squirting up out of the thick brush. And you know how a, a doe is when she gets nudged by a buck. She kind of does that fast little. Yeah, a little and, skirt. Yeah. Yep. Cow did the same thing. So I figured the bull was right behind her. And when she picked her head up, her head was in the brush. And but when she put her head down, she could see me just as easily as I could see her. So I, I, I dropped to my hands and knees. And when she picked her head up, I started crawling, trying to cut the distance. She was probably 50 yards and I'm moving through the brush, uh, getting closer and closer to her and, uh, bull bugled. He's right below her on the hill there now. And she's slowly working up the hill. Finally, he starts coming up and I'm in the what you would think would be a perfect position. I had him at 18 yards for five minutes. (sighs) Um, Couldn't shoot him. All I could see was his legs, the, his belly and his pecker. And he was just like glunking and pissing all over himself. (laughs) At this point, I I, I couldn't see his head. Like his head's up in the brush. And I don't even know if he's a shooter, right? Yeah. He's at 18 yards. His body looks enormous. And then he drops his head down and I see these great big fronts and heavy mass. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill this bull. Yeah. I try. And he kind of, they start working up the hill and I kind of drop in behind them, start crawling on my hands and knees and uh, work in behind them. 
and he gets in now every time i had to move i had to watch the cow watch the bull make my move you know trying to so they i wouldn't get spotted but now the cow got far enough up the hill that she's in the thick stuff she can't really see me i can't see her now i can focus on him i crawl on my hands and knees he starts kind of raking in a tree and messing around and again i still don't really know how big he is and i get up to an area where he's preoccupied and i'm trying to find a hole that i can shoot through and i look up and i think if i stand up there's there's a hole big enough that i might be able to get a shot through so when he's got his head in that bush i stand up and i had a perfect like basketball size hole all the way to his ribs Mm -hmm. you know like i couldn't see anything there's there's a tree here so i couldn't see the like his ass end and then there's brush and vines and stuff and his head's in the tree so all i could see was ribs i don't know where at in the rib cage or anything right yeah so i draw back he's 27 yards i shoot i see my lighted knock go into his rib cage and he takes off running and he does like a half circle and as he runs through an opening and i can see where i hit him and i see i'm center top to bottom perfect um but a little bit back toward into the back, like last three ribs mm-hmm. somewhere, right? Like liver-ish? Yeah. Well, I was wondering that, but I was like, I'm in the ribs thinking I'm good. And then uh, the, the guy that's with me, Andreas, comes up and, uh, you know, he's all excited for me and stuff. And he's like, where'd you shoot him? And I turn around and that wind that was in there had blown the oak brush up and it got caught in the vine above it and created the hole I shot through. Two minutes later, that limb had come down and totally closed up the hole I shot through. <laughs> oh. So like, it was just- a, <laughs> It just meant to be. Gift, right? Yeah. So we, uh, we uh, give him about an hour um, and we move up and I find first blood. It's really dark blood, which I didn't really, wasn't expect, you know, excited to see that it was dark but it was in sand. So I'm like, all right, sand could darken it up. Yeah. Went another 20 yards, better blood, but it's still dark. And, uh, but then the other, one of the other guys got there with us and we started trailing him. And when he did that half circle, he got just out of sight and he started walking and he turned and started walking downhill. And then he got downwind of us, which we couldn't see him at this point. Mm. And he winded us and turned 120 degrees and took off running again. And when he took off running, the, the blood just went to little specks and uh, still dark blood. And now my my excitement level is kind of coming down and I'm starting doom and gloom, you know, because I'm a pessimist at heart. And uh, yeah, you know, most of us I'm, are. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, I pulled up, you know, uh, diagrams of, of elk vitals and that liver does go up into the back of the rib cage. And I'm like, oh man, I liver shot this. I, you know, where he was at, I couldn't really tell if he was quartering or what, you know, I just literally had a, a hole to shoot through. Yeah. You took the one opportunity you're going to get. Right. And, uh, so I, I, I talked to Isaiah there and I, I said, man, I think I liver shot him. And I said, yeah. He said, I, I think you did too. I, he's like, I think we need to give him an hour. I said, at least I agree, you know, at least an hour. So we kind of sat there, we were bullshitting a little bit, ended up falling asleep. And uh, <laughs> best case but, scenario in a situation like this, right? Pulling yeah. a dug, yeah, pull so, the dug. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I wake up and you know they're they're kind of crashed out there, and I I make myself some lunch, and they make up wake up in the process of that, and uh, 
he's like, you know what? We'll give him till, you know, 1230. That'll be almost four hours from the time he shot him, you know? And uh, I said, okay. So we sat there at 1230. We started stalking or tracking him again. And at this point, it's literally just following running tracks. And I told him, I was like, you know, this bull might be a 270. I, I, I'm like, I, I never saw him above his brow tines. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. He might be broke off at his thirds. <laughs> yeah. Just clean broke off. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Just and so uh we uh we started trailing just basically following running tracks. And from where we were sleeping, we went thirty five yards and came around a bush and he was laying there dead. <laughs> awesome. Really? So ended up getting the back. Wait, hold on. From where you were sleeping, you went thirty five yards and he was laying there dead? Yeah. So you were sleeping 35 yards from this bowl the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And uh, he just, uh, he wasn't bleeding well. I ended up, uh, I double lunged him. I shot, my entrance was the back of the entrance, entry lung and center of the exit lung. So he's slightly quartering Quarter away. away. Mm. Um, the arrow didn't pass through. So it went through both rib cages but it never busted out the hide on the other side. Interesting. It was pushed out, but it, it never penetrated the hide. So I never, never got uh, um, the exit wound, which was surprising because it looked like when he was running, he was bleeding out both sides because he had both. It looked like there was entry exit blood. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the bull ended up being an, an, an absolute giant. It was a bull that uh, my buddy that we hunt with uh, knew really well. Um, he called him spider. Because in 2019 that was the bull's peak. He was uh, uh, nine years old, and uh, and he uh, well in 2019 he would have been eight. I'm sorry, and he was 355, and he had his front. He had an extra G2, and his fronts hook up, and it looked like upside down spider legs. So they called him Spider. <laughs> um, cool. So this year, if if with his age and everything, they guessed him at 12 years old. And, wow. Uh, he uh he was three well he was 25 he probably lost 25 inches from his peak so he's like 325 ish badass big ass so are, are you shoulder mounting this bull no i don't i've i've made a decision that i'm not going to shoulder mount a bull till he's 350 or better um <laughs> you know i they just take up so much wall space yeah um i mean he's a hell of a bull his mass he's got is he right next ball. to you right now um he's hanging on the wall can, 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 can you move I say you keep, I you keep looking you over there. Can you see that one? Yes. So that's him. Um, just an absolute stud. Yeah, that's and, an awesome. Uh, I got to get uh, him framed out. Yeah, he. Uh, his mass measurements are just gigantic. He he look he literally has it, it's ba- baseball bat beams on him. Um, just super cool bull. A huge huge body. I mean they. They guessed him at like 900 pounds. And That's I'm like, insane. I walk, I've been on, I've been on a bunch of, of dead elk, right. And, and nine of them, I guess that's a bunch. Yeah. It's a bunch. Like I walked up on this thing and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this thing is gigantic. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, Isaiah has been on hundreds of kills and I'm like, how, what do you think this thing weighs? And he's like pushing 900, I would say. And I'm like, well, what's normal for it? Yeah. What is normal? He was like most mature bulls in this unit are seven hundred or seven fifty to eight hundred. He said, "So this bull is you know hundred pounds, pounds heavier, big boy." Yeah, he was he was stout. So it was uh, an awesome hunt. You know, just absolutely couldn't ask for it. being able to kill a just a giant old ancient bull and uh, 
you know, had lots of opportunities. I don't know. Some of the videos I posted while I was out there was, uh, were pretty cool, you know, yeah. with some of the yeah. smaller bulls and stuff, but, um, everyone's like, why aren't you shooting that? And he, <laughs> I don't know. He, I feel like, if, if, I don't know. I feel like Bomar, I guess. If if I, said, oh, I don't want that one, it's not big enough. But <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if I've I've killed a few elk now, and like I I just want something bigger. And uh, dude, you can't hate on someone's personal goals, man. Like I, I sure. know, but like I, you just you almost get shamed anymore for for wanting to kill. I don't know if it's the public land, you know, the public land hunter things or. Yeah, the, the probably a little public bit. guys or whatever, but shoot, shoot uh, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the internet, all, you know, that shit's been around forever, but you know what? I, I like challenging myself and <laughs> to shoot a bigger mature animal of any species, a bigger, harder challenge than, you know, I, I could have tagged out day one on smaller bulls. I, you yeah. know, and I, I didn't want to do that. And it, this was the experience that I wanted. I got the experience that I wanted and, walked away with a fantastic bull and uh you know it uh, it's my memory forever hell yeah i love it dude i love that you committed to it i i've uh i hate to stamp on this man but elk with a bow has like become my nemesis a little bit like but you know that being said too i've i i could have shot raghorns right you know and i wanted a bull like 280 or better and yeah you know I'll, yeah, I'm I like part of me wants to like go elk hunting next fall to like just stay after the grind because when I do kill one of the bow, it's going to be like so amazing. Right here, you know the first, the only animal that I've ever killed that has brought me to tears is elk. When mm-hmm. I shot my first elk, it was a raghorn. It was a four by. It was a four point. It, you know, I don't even couldn't even tell you what it scored. And that bull, when when he tipped over, it was on the eleventh day of the hunt. And, my, you know, it was, uh, it was in New Mexico. My buddy shot a, a nice 290 bull on, uh, I think it was the fourth day of our hunt. And then I hunted every day and he was filming for me. And, uh, you know, we stalked in on this bull and I shot, shot that bull. And when he tipped over, like I lost my shit, like I, all the emotion, like my dream growing up reading magazines and watching monster bulls and primos videos and all this stuff was, I just wanted to elk hunt my entire life. And like when it, when that bull tipped over, whether it was big or not like that, my dream came to fruition and like that. And and I don't fault people for, for shooting small bulls and I've done it, you know, and if you've never killed an elk, absolutely shoot a small bull. I don't, there's nothing to it, but you know, you, you get, I don't know. It just gets annoying when people give you shit for wanting to shoot something bigger. How silly. And yeah. Right. Like I, it's more of a challenge. It's harder to do. Like, why wouldn't you do it? What's the fucking yeah. problem? It's like people give you shit about trophy hunting. It's like, you realize they're more mature animals. Like, and then it's a you good got the thing. Same thing. It's like, it's my tag. You, if you bust somebody's balls for shooting something small, which I don't, nobody that I hang out with does, you know, they're saying, well, it's my tag. I'll shoot what I want. Well, guess what? It's my tag. I'll shoot what I want. I'm going to shoot big animals. Right. It's fat girls complaining about getting shit on the internet for not being hot. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> right? You ain't wrong. <laughs> it's the same thing, dude. You know, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that applies or not, but I think it does. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> it's, uh, 
It's our tag. Let us shoot what we want. Hey, you just shoot for the middle and just shoot average shit. Yeah. You know? That, you, that's what they you, want. Then you won't get shit yeah. from either side. Yeah. They're, hey, the people who are bitching at you for shooting big shit and holding out for big shit, they're the blue-haired people of the hunting industry. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know. It, it like it, I think anybody that is successful at hunting, no matter what species it is, once you've killed some bigger, larger animals, it, it, it's a... I don't want to say it's a sickness, but it's like, it just doesn't do it. Like I, I had a, a, a buck show up last night on the farm. That's a, a, a five by six, one hundred and fifty, And I, 10 years ago would be ecstatic to go chase that deer. Like, but that just doesn't, it doesn't um, do it for me anymore. Like I, I'd much rather, will I, if I have nothing else to, to hunt, will I go shoot a 150? Yeah, because I like shooting shit when it comes down to it. <laughs> 100%. Right? But if I have a choice between shooting that 150 or holding out for another buck that's the same age that might go 160, I'm going to hold out for the 160. You know, 100%. just, uh, it, and I don't, I, I feel bad when I tell people that shit and it, it drives me nuts because, Again, like it, it's your tag, do with it what you want. But like, I don't know. I, I feel like it, when you say stuff like that, that you're going to pass a 150 or that you're not going to target a 150. I, I think most people want to call you uh, a liar or call bullshit to your face or, or whatever. And uh, you hate, I hate portraying myself as, as trying to be an elitist, I guess, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like like you said, it's your tag, do it with you want, but everyone has their own goals. Like, why is that such a big deal? Right. Why is that a big deal for everyone else? But it is, and it, I don't know. It, it's the whole, I guess, that that kind of summed it up, is just saying I don't want to portray myself as an elitist because I, I don't feel that I am. I don't, I'm, I'm a nobody. Like, I just love hunting. I love talking about hunting. I don't care if people know who I am, but I, do I love to sit down and talk with you guys about my passion? Absolutely. But do I think I'm better? No, I've, I'm not better than anybody. I've figured out ways to kill deer and my life is consumed with finding them, chasing them. And, and it's the legwork that kills deer, not some special knowledge. Well, here, Damien, here's the bottom line with that. I love that statement you just made, but here's the thing. Like, we're the, in the rare space. Like Eric and I are on the line with our age. You're just a touch older than us. We have hunted before social media, before podcasts, before the YouTube craze, all that stuff. We were hunting because we like to hunt. Sorry, Jordan. You're kind of, it's just your generation, but it's like, we've always liked talking. You got to think too, when we started the podcast, we didn't start the podcast when podcasting in the hunting industry was a thing. Right. We've been podcasting and doing this for our personal enjoyment because we're passionate about hunting and trying to kill big deer or kill the biggest deer that we can with our experience and what we have and the property we have and the access. Well, we, we have. started too because we like talking hunting. Well, exactly. But then we also, the people who we interview on a regular basis, Damien, you being one, and then guys that have became local to us, Ross and Austin, who are passionate about the same things. Uh, killing big deer, pushing their own personal goals. They're passionate about it. They want to talk about it. You got to remember, for the longest time, we talked to no audience with this. And 
what <laughs> kept us keep to keep doing it was sense of community of getting together with other dudes who are into the same shit the way we're into it now. Now yeah. it's easy to be like, oh, they're only hunting for their podcast. Whereas how many people nowadays that are like popular are doing this for like internet clout? If you took Instagram away, what pers- there would be a percentage of hunters that would drop off and you can't tell me there wouldn't be. What would the percent be? Probably bigger than we think. Probably. Way bigger than we think. I can name this sounds fucked up, but whatever. We're just we're going through it right now. We're airing some shit out. Most of them would probably be women. And then after that, it'd probably be that sounds bad. I'm sorry, but I think it's true. Yeah. Um, and then I, is that true? Doug? Do you, you'd lose Doug. We'd lose Doug. We'd lose <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's just because Doug's not here. Um, but I can name a lot of dudes who are basically Instagram hunter chicks just with a wiener. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form, there's always... Jordan's writing that clip down. Right <laughs> <laughs> He's t- I watched him take a note. <laughs> 144.37 there, Jordan. With so, a wiener. So, in, uh, you know, in one way, shape, or form, there, there's always been some sort of, of social media aspect, whether it was the wall at your bow shop or the wall. You know, I remember in 2003... You know, Dick's Sporting Goods is had a, a board in there that you could go up and stick your freaking trophy on. So did Gander Mountain. And, yep. you know, so there's always been some sort of trophy board. But, yeah, social media, you know, definitely uh, brings out um, the ugly, the ugly. But it brings out good, too. It you does. Know, I mean, the, I, I posted something the other day, you know, like it came up in my memory. I think it was my moose hunt. Um, that I, you know, those sort of things that, that pop up and you're like, you wouldn't even remember, right? You're like, Oh, in 2014, I shot a moose today. You know, yes. that sort of, you know, it, yes. like, it, you know, that, that sort of stuff is, is really cool. Um, and it lets you connect with a lot of guys that are like-minded. Um, but it also, it brings out. It's ugly. Yeah. But the good thing is, like, if it wasn't for social media, none of us here might know each other. Well, that's, that's you know what I mean? Right. You know, this There's is good and bad. It's a repetitive conversation it we is. always have. It's worth it's worth to keep having the conversation because I think it's what keeps it in check. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is being honest about what it is. You know, I hate it and I love it. Because love, hate relationship. Yes. And, and Here's the thing. I only hate it when I see people that I I know, and it's like, okay, well, how did I know? You know. And you know you know when you see it. It's the same thing. It's like when people are kind of like abusive to it, to, to, the, to what hunting is, the culture. There's a hunting culture. And uh, there's like some shit I see that like bites on hunting culture that bothers me because it's like... Uh, well, I mean, fuck. I don't. We could go into example. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give you one example. I see, <laughs> um, and this is like a very uh, distant, without like hurting everybody's feelings. Uh, there's the dude who makes the uh, the soap. He does that commercial for socks. He's like, "Oh, buy my socks for honey." He has like the generic orange hat on, and the you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, I, I think he makes soap. That's what he normally does. I don't know. It when I see it, I'm like, "You're not a hunter." Quit pandering to us. 
Yeah. Stop the cultural biting. <laughs> it's like how like liberal black women get when it comes to like with someone else with braids in their hair. It's like hey, chill out, you know. <laughs> and maybe it's the same thing. Maybe I'm that person right now on that example. But you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, braids aren't just for black people. Vikings had them too. But uh, maybe, so so maybe I'm playing like devil's advocate to my own thing. Cultural but, appropriation. Yeah, cultural <laughs> appropriation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I'm just talking through it as I think about it, right? So maybe I'm wrong completely, but at least I'm I can admit that and I'm being honest about it. I don't know. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, kind of. Kind of makes know. sense. <laughs> I guess my point is I don't want someone to like the like someone adult onset hunter come in, bite from our culture, not respect it, just see the killing of the animal as social media attention to peers in the hunting industry to get free shit or money. And typically they're women because they're hot. And, so, people, so and people they, want to fuck them. So they can't have braids. Oh, have braids. Yeah, have braids. <laughs> the, the Derek Wolf has braids. Kind of, uh, that's a whole different, I don't know. You you see them all the time, like shooting their bow. And like, <laughs> I, I, I always give uh, Rachel like her accolades. Cause like to listen to her on a podcast and to hear her talk, like, she talks the talk. She walks the walk. Like she knows what she's talking about when she's talking about her bow and, you know, energy and she shoots and like, yep. she's going out there and doing it on her own. And like, she's legit, you know? And like, when you hear girls like that, you're like, okay, that's cool. And then you go on, you know, and, and she's, I don't want to call her a nobody, like, but she, she's not known. You know, yeah, she's not trying life. to be known. Right. Yeah. And then you go on Instagram and you see these girls that have, you know, 100,000, 200,000 followers and they're shooting her bow upside down. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. Just, like, you're like, what the hell? Couldn't hunt their way out of a paper bag. Right. Yeah. But they're shooting in a bikini top and yoga pants. And, you know, so yeah. people follow them. It's, sex sells. Listen, love to see it, but like we, d- but you we don't. don't need it. Yeah, you know it's not needed, but <laughs> it's that weird thing. I got some ideas from up some for some upcoming podcasts that I think are going to be a lot of fun. Um, that has to do with like a lot of what we're talking about. People that are going to come on the podcast, and it'll probably be like after like the heat of hunting. I got some shit working in the background with some with some cool chicks that we're going to make happen. We're going to talk through some of these hot topics with some ladies. Have you ever seen that podcast where just this dude sitting around like 15 women and somehow they yes. all have microphones? Yes. We're, yes. we're pretty much pulling one of those. That's fantastic. It's like whatever the whatever I, podcast. I brutal like he is, too. Oh, he's a, he, that guy's a savage, dude. <laughs> he's just like, you're all, you're all whores and no men value you. And they're all just like, what? <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. Uh, it won't be like that. I'm kidding a little bit, but gotta be good, wouldn't it? Do you see the guy where he's talking about uh, if any of them would date a Burger King worker? I think so, yeah. And they're all like, no. And he goes, you guys are all gold-digging whores. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, any man in here would date a girl. It didn't met what do you say? Men date down, girls date up. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Which means every dude that you fucked up with was better than you. <laughs> you know, like, that dude's a fucking savage. It's so dude. good. It's like, oh man, you're just hurting all the feelings. That's hilarious. That guy was brutal, but not wrong. Yeah. 
that's a problem. Truth hurts. Now, I think it would be fun <laughs> to do something similar, but not be so... Uh... Here, here's the weird thing, right? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking myself into a dark fucking hole here, Damien. I'm trying not to sound too... Uh... You're trying to talk yourself out of a dark hole. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm going in the hole, brother. Um, <laughs> I would love to have a bunch of Instagram huntresses from the industry here, right? But... How many of them, first of all, could bullshit for, I mean, we're two hours into this. If they were here, I mean, how many are going to bullshit for an hour and not embarrass themselves? Like if they're not legit. All you got to do is uh, get the entire cast for Lover Lights. Oh, God. I would, I would do it. I would definitely do it. But it just, it would get us. Um, I could name like, you could name probably three or four women. That, that could actually talk the talk and the other ones could fake it for a little bit and then you'd the, see right through them. The see, stink would come through. Yeah. That's what's so sad about it, man. Like literally on both hands, I can't think of a, a full both hands of women that I'd like to have interview on the podcast. I, I can think of, you know, a good handful, five or six. Yeah. But there should be more, and I'm sure there is more out there. But it's like if 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 someone was like, "Hey, we're going to do the push," or if we get the opportunity to like push to interview more legit women, I would lean into would that like heavily that for the, for the simple fact, like you wonder, um, even with you know Tiffany, like how much of what Tiffany says on camera is scripted, and is she just in a stand because Lee said go hunt here? You know, can she shoot? Does she kill deer? Yeah, but. Have you, I've never heard her like interview. Does she really truly? I'm sure she's absorbed some of Lee's knowledge, but how much of that is truly Lee and how much of it is actually her? That I would love to like find that out. Yeah, or, chat with her. Uh, but here here's the thing. She Tiffany is a sacred piece of the honey. She's the OG hot chick of the game. We're gonna leave her out of this, Damien. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> And no, I like. I know exactly what you I, mean. I think like Melissa Bachman. I think could absolutely talk the talk. She has oh, with she us. She has, yeah, right. Bad, so, bad bitch. You know, you, you with know, all due she, respect, she's pretty bad. And but how many of the other ones? You know, um, there's probably um, who could you think of? Like, oh boy, I don't know. Whitetail killers. There. I mean, I got a few in mind, and they're in that panel mm-hmm. of women that I want on here. Um, here's the, here, I guess the point I'm trying to get, I want, if there's something that comes forward where of, of women that want to do the podcast that I feel are legitimate, I will lean into it. Cause what it does is box out the fakes. Yeah. So if I can play part, if Eric can play part, if Doug can play part, <laughs> we will, I will vouch to lean into that. If it does something for the greater good of women in the, in the hunting industry to kind of box out the, the whores, the whores, the whores. Yeah. But you guys need, what you need to do is set that all up and then just send Doug in there by himself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got work. And don't tell any of the, like each girl thinks they're coming in for a single interview, but they show every one of them shows up. It's just Doug. There's a panel. We hit record and everything. We go to the depot and eat dinner, (laughs) come back in three hours. And the whole studio is just on fire. (laughs) Got a stink to it. Smells like 
I'll leave that up to your imagination. But <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I don't want to sound like we're hating, right? Like we've come in and out of a lot of interesting conversation in this podcast, yeah. and uh, we got you some some productive whitetail talks, some productive elk talk, and then some fun conversation here. It's a yeah. bullshit in the middle. I'll tell you this. I'll close on this. I'm hopeful. I like it. I like the idea. Are you hopeful, Damien? I'm hopeful. Okay. <laughs> what are we are we talking about? Hopeful on the season? Are we are we hard hard twisting here? Everything, we, uh, just in general. Yeah. This whole podcast. I'm hopeful. Good. I'm hopeful. Eric, how you feeling, brother? I'm feeling good. Damien, where the hell can people find you, brother? Uh, Instagram, Damien Hunts, and uh, Facebook. But unless you got like a big buck in your profile, don't expect me to approve you on Facebook. But uh, Instagram is uh, Damien Hunts. And cooking barbecue in the summer. Cooking barbecue in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully that wrapped up and uh, now it's time to kill shit. How many awards in barbecue did you win this last season? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess six uh, six or eight out of 12. That's, a, that's damn good. What do you damn do with good. all the trophies? Uh, donate them back or throw them away. You do? Yeah. <laughs> you don't keep them? I don't keep them. How many? Like if, I used to. If you would keep them all, how many would you have? Uh, I don't know. Uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. It's but great. they're, you know, they're not. They're a big pain in the ass, you know. And they, you, you try to. I used to try to haul them around and um, show them just, off. Yeah, you show them off, and you know, people like to see them, and but they just they fall apart, and then they start looking like shit, and then they get rained on, or they fall off a table, and they're just plastic you know and they're, they're not the cheapest cheap thing made they cost you know the big four foot trophies they get made they're like 200 bucks to make them stupid things yeah so <laughs> now i do my my photo op with them for social media for the business and i donate them back to tell them to change the plastic the topper the here yeah you know and that's take nice. Take it off my take it off my lot rent for the next year you know? <laughs> now there you go there nice you go. nice um can we count on you? You're going to be at the Ohio show this coming season. You, you normally work the Ohio show with us. and Yeah, out. absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Maybe. Uh, are you guys going back? I haven't talked to you about it. Yeah. Are you guys we're, going back to Harrisburg? Uh, no. Nope. No. That's <laughs> I, a long haul for you guys. Sorry, <laughs> Harrisburg. We get asked every year. We did it one year. Not <laughs> next year. I That's always say brutal. maybe the year after. It's long. We're, we're doing a lot of hunts next year. It's We can't, yeah. we can't justify Let's it. Let's do one once every five years. I'll, Let's I'll just not put a number on. Okay. Show might make it. You know, I don't know. When I I come to Illinois every year for for barbecue, so well, um, maybe uh, if if you plan a, a a better weekend that or a weekend I got free for the shoot, maybe you should plan the entire shoot for a weekend I have. <laughs> okay, make that well, work. You out. just got to cook for us then. That's fine. I'll cook all freaking shit you want. <laughs> well, the shoot's the same weekend every year, so whatever it falls on. I think the year of COVID is the only year I was ever able to make it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. right. well, everything was canceled. Everything was is canceled. Well, I, I guess what I'm getting at it, if people enjoy Damien's conversations or want to talk with you in person, you typically work the Ohio Deer Classic with us, which is in uh, March. Uh, usually the yeah, 14th. It's usually right there at the beginning of March, around the 18th of 18th, March. yeah. Because yeah. it's so always, my wife's birthday. It's usually around my birthday. Too. Yeah, so it's it's like the weekend of the twentieth. And that. usually, you guys are so hungover. I'm the only one able to talk at the booth. Yes, that's normally <laughs> how that might goes. be the only one there. But, but we're changed. <laughs> we're changed people this year. That's not happening. Um, 
Yeah, the problem is we stay with my good buddy that lives in town, Dakota. Yeah. And yeah. I get to see I get to hang out with him like that one weekend a year. Well, he brought them sandwiches last year. Those <sighs> were killer. What was that place called? I was telling somebody about them the other day. I don't remember because I, <laughs> I I was hoping when we were doing the uh, Columbus Rib Fest down there, he would have come back so we I could have paid him back. He, he never food. came by to see you? He never came down, no. I told him, I said, dude, go in and see Damien. And he's like, oh, shit. And he's like, yeah, well, we're planning on going down there. And so he never did. If he did, he didn't come, like, get my attention. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah. you can't miss him. Yeah. Well, that's a big-ass crowd down there. That's true. Yeah. No, I, he probably walked up and saw the mob of people and was like, I'm not standing in there. Yeah. But if he would have come around, you know, I would have. Oh, dude. Well, I he found out he's those sandwiches and that, man, those things were good. I know he spent like almost 300 bucks on sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn, dude. He goes, yeah, they're like almost 20 bucks a pop. I'm like, well, yeah. they're worth it. But like, no, bro, you don't do so that. We paid him. Yeah. So we stay at his house. We don't pay for a hotel. Yeah. So we take care of him, you know? So that's cool. it yeah. all, it all evens out with good friends. Shit like that just evens out. Yes, yep. sir. So, 100%. well, We'd love to have you back hanging out at the booth. So if anybody listening from Ohio that's going to be at that show, come hang out, chat with Damien. Let's drink a beer together. I won't be so hungover, and uh, we'll have a party. Sounds good, man. Cool. Well, Damien, thank you so much, dude. Best of luck this rut. Thanks for all the info. Congrats on your elk. Um, I know you're already on top of the world, so it means a lot, man. Yep. Just need to tag out on that whitetail, and uh, we'll put a wrap on the season. Historical data. There it is. Good Eric, luck, brother. Got anything? Good luck. You too. All right, everybody. Best of luck. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. Go shoot a giant. Shoot straight. We love you. Thanks for the support. See you next week. Later. <laughs>